0: This program contains mature subject matter,
1: including maladjusted
2: youths who masochistically kill and the excitement of the Price Is Right.
0: It may be deemed inappropriate for our younger viewers.
2: Viewer you discretion advised.
3: I would like, if I may, to take you. On a strange journey. I'll
4: give you a choice. I can put on these boxes.
5: Or start eating that trash. You maniacs! What is a
0: man? When we are successful, we
1: will be we had a real chance with this. Welcome to my book collection. This is just part of my book collection. Uh, I've got all kinds of stuff here. The Werewolf by Montague Summers. This is great. There's lots of great werewolf stories in here, all documented, all true. And um, there's one in particular that's great where they're looking for this guy who's accused of being a werewolf and he comes out of this clearing shaking a baby in his mouth. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it's the kind of stuff I like to read. Um, let's see. Oh, here we go. Yeah The cult roots in Nazism Every school child should have this book You learn a lot from this one Alright What else do we got here There's just various books on death Anthropology of evil Different societies Views of evil What their conception of evil is Something they don't even have evil uh, here we go. This one's the Lost Books of the Bible. There's also the Forgotten Books of Eden. But the Lost Books of the Bible tells you a lot of stuff that they omitted from the Bible. All original chapters of the Bible which were excised. Let's see, there's a chapter in here. Oh, okay. yeah, here we go, Infancy. This tells you about Jesus' childhood. Stuff that I guess most churches wouldn't want you to know about because it doesn't fit in with their ideology of Christ. And uh, let me see, there's one uh, passage in here where Jesus and a little kid are playing on the Sabbath, and Jesus is making these clay statues he's formed uh, come to life, and the child says, uh, "It's the Sabbath; you shouldn't be doing that." And blah 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 blah. blah. And so anyway, Jesus kills the kid. And here we have another passage uh, Another time when Lord Jesus was coming home in the evening with Joseph He met a boy who ran so hard against him that he threw him down To whom the Lord Jesus said As thou hast thrown me down, so shalt thou fall, for nor ever rise And at that moment the boy fell down and died Jesus it's Pretty funny This is a dictionary of angels. This tells you all the angels, their names, the days they preside over, the hours, what their functions are. You believe in any of that stuff.
6: Tell your children not to hear our words. It's episode 88 of Behind the Schemes for Pi Day. And if you want to find hell with me, I'm Booberry Black, Knight of the Mothman.
7: And all the way from way the heck, all the way over here on the Boref Coast, or I don't know, I think I, I'm in the wrong room. I, I don't know, I, I, don't, I don't think I'm supposed to be here, but my name is Lavish. I wasn't even supposed to be here today, man. <laughs> I wasn't even supposed to be
0: here today.
6: Oh, how is this fabulous Pie Day treating you so far?
7: So far, it's been pretty delightful. Uh Just t- took it easy today, work, and yesterday we had a gig out uh at a bar somewhere over over off of the river, which is very lovely, but it was a day gig so it was like an it was an all day thing and uh yeah it's it's been gorgeous around here though the yeah, summer' gonna be really nice.
6: I saw some photos a bright cheery sunny day we we actually had two days of like
7: almost forty degrees a lot of snow yeah. melted up, yeah, and uh do things get kind of green at all during that time or Or just the snow cover everything still? I saw a little bit of greenage. Not a lot.
6: Not a lot. But it's there. It's there. It's coming.
7: It's coming back.
6: What I also have here... I I don't know if you had yours prepared or not. But in honor of uh, Pie Day, I thought
7: that we could have a slice of pie. Well, I have my pie. I I was... I was planning on eating it during the producer segment, but, uh, oh, I, can, yeah. I can run and grab it though. It's over, it's just over there in the kitchen.
6: I'll tell you what, we'll keep going and then I'll have yeah. a second one
7: <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll have a second one. then yeah, I'll save mine for a little bit later, but yes, we are going to eat pie on the air because it's pie day, which, um, is an important day that you should acknowledge pie, the number is very, very important. And and without it, really. we wouldn't have pizza.
6: <laughs> this is true. This is very true. The other thing that we definitely wouldn't have is a tarot card for tonight, which I have pulled from the Line Strider Tarot. It is the reversed Ten of Cups. Mm. And uh it's reversed. Did I say that? You did. Oh. Some, yeah. uh... Yeah. Some key words for it is happiness, marriage, family life, prosperity, rewards, affirmation, and joy.
7: This is the the definition of it upright. Correct. The general meaning. Yes. Well the the reverse meaning is quite not that.
6: In terms of work, the reverse card indicates that while you may not have everything you want and you think you deserve at work, you are still respected and appreciated. Don't get angry or lose your temper over little things you don't have. If you are looking for a job, stay positive and confident. Uh, And present yourself as a fun, interesting person to those around you. Hey,
7: I'm a fun guy. (laughs) Hey, I'm a fun guy. I say to myself as I get out of the shower, look at me, I'm a fun guy. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) Uh, what? Uh, is you got anything Ford's? on it? Yeah, the strong bonds of Forges family community are broken or twisted. Uh, the 10 of cups, when you get it upright, is something akin to the happily ever after card. It's a really good card to get if you get the 10 of cups. Um, it can be kind of idealized. It can be like, uh, what is, it, what was the phrase I'm thinking of? Too good to be true. It might be a too good to be true cup as well. And, when you have that reversed, it just means that maybe some aspirational thing, maybe that completion of that or your attempt to attain that has been disrupted, uh, or it's stagnated. And, um, yeah, that's, that's the general meaning of, of this cup. Uh, I'm sorry, of this card as I understand it.
6: Yeah. It's hard to make art, the uh, art out with it upside down. Let's scroll back up here on the, uh, Lion Strider. It's, uh, I think it's two parrots kind of crossed in front of each other with lightish purple hues, little bits of magenta in there.
7: Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like tropical, bountiful um, imagery that comes with this card generally. The one that I'm seeing on the lab is, is the Ten of Cups stacked up in a perfect pyramid with the sun and a fish and wheat growing and, you know, stars and <laughs> all kinds of stuff. You know, you know what I mean, Mister Wheat. Yeah, Mister Wheat. You like that? You like that shit? Yes, Mister Wheat could also <laughs> have been an alternative title to our last episode, which we did last Monday, called Wheatgers. <laughs> Mister, Mister Wheat, Wheat Wheatgers, <laughs> Wheatgers, Mister Wheat too, Wheatgers. Yeah yeah so that's the that's the card so I hope everybody um you know i don't know fortifies themselves energy wise against the any madness that's going on. things are kind of thawing out and heating up as they say, and uh sometimes tensions can arise sometimes conflict can arise, so just be
0: dutiful
6: <laughs> now you should probably just go out on the internet and believe every single that you read and share it with everyone
0: (laughs) i want you to think of
6: information as a pie
7: it's (laughs) like a pie that you just eat more of and more of you're
6: gonna grab that pie and you're gonna put your face in it and uh just ride the nom train
7: (laughs) all the way to tasty town (laughs) you're gonna love it the pie is gonna love it
6: oh yeah (laughs) we're all gonna love it
7: (laughs) we're all gonna love
6: it uh, and if you want some, uh, if you want some other stuff to love on, like the tarot card, you can head over to zosacorner.substack.com, where we have that card linked at the very top of the article, including everything down below, which is pretty much everything that we bring to each one of our shows.
7: Hmm. We, uh, yes, yeah, so we got some sexy show notes, and uh, you might want to check them out. They're, they're pretty sweet. We got a nice picture of uh, Bush with some crack very funny <laughs> yes
6: you know what but you know what bush is like this is crack cocaine
7: yes that's what he was that's what he said when he was holding that crack cocaine that's correct <laughs> very astute <laughs> boo berry thank you thank you <laughs> we do our homework here and behind the schemes ladies
6: and gentlemen they don't call me the sharpest tool in the crayon box for nothing
7: <laughs> way overqualified to be at the circus way uh, overqualified.
6: hell yes and uh we have a, a chat room on the zero node hashtag green room hang out with us every monday night when we do this show at 7 30 9 30 and 10 30 eastern respectively this is also a value for value production meaning we take zero corporate and advertising dollars
7: that's right. We don't take any, uh, corporate sponsorship of any kind because that way we would have to watch what we talk about. And, uh, willingly or otherwise, we would have to kind of limit the conversations that we can have and the topics that we can cover. And with this model, the value for value model, we don't have to worry about that, um, so much. Uh, I think you never know. Certainly the, certain the frog's gay, so they could kill you at any <laughs> second. I mean, let's be real. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sugarcoat this for you people. It's not looking good out there, but at the same time, we're having a great time, so fuck it.
6: Yes, and uh, I do have some exciting news. Uh, thanks to Servos and Spencer's and C-Dubs and Cotton Gin's help, we were able to get our node back up and running, so we will be able to read boostograms for tonight. Uh, as it stands now, I have a record of all the boostograms, but as far as I can tell at the moment, the ones that were in there before the node crashed... I'm not able to see them in helipad, which makes me hella sad.
7: No helipad, hella sad.
6: <laughs> uh, but I just wanted to hit a couple of these because it's been so long. And then,
7: uh, oh, look at that. Ooh. You like that? Oh, my goodness. Was that the new? Oh, my <laughs> God. That's the new boo sound. I love it. Oh, it's so great. It's beautiful. Ah. We're gonna put that right up here on the wall in uh, in, the, in the green room.
6: It looks like uh, David Lee Roth finally made it to rehearsals. Oh God!
7: <laughs> oh Jesus! I gotta give you some uh, karma in the chat one.
6: That's that's good stuff. Nice. And that was uh, that most recent one was 696 sets from Servo saying, "I attack the darkness." <laughs> and then right before the show. 8,888 Whoa! sets Whoa! was from Ava Kirby saying, drop the big one. Let's see what happens. Uh, from Karyo Oh, oh my God. What are we going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do, son? 333 sets from NetNet saying, pew, pew. I don't have, I don't have a pew, pew sound. So let me, let me <laughs> actually, uh, I can hit you with something special. A new one.
4: They run on gasoline and they will suck a dead raccoon.
6: So there's that one for you. And then then, thank you. That's a good one. That's a good
7: one. I approve of that one.
6: (laughs) Uh, let's see. Fletcher from Fountain saying in leet speak, love is lit and all that shit. And another Mm, 5,555 from Fletcher. Thank you, thank you. Was, uh, love is lit and all that shit. Thanks for everything you do. I thank you, sir, Fletcher, for everything you do, sir. Hell yeah. Uh, we got, uh, tree, tree, tree from NetNet on Fountain333. I was doing a bunch of test boosts and then Servo got in the very first two that were, uh, the, when we got the node back up for 100 stats each. Ooh. Beauty. Nice. We appreciate that everybody. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm not going to play that Adam Clear ISO again. The, uh. No, no,
7: no, no. <laughs> we uh, all got the Covad. That's our, that's our issue.
6: But in honor of Pi Day, I'm going to hit y'all with something a little new.
0: Boost me, bitch. Boost me. Oh, yes. Boost me.
3: Ooh.
8: Do a commercial. You're off the artistic roll call. Every word you say is suspect. You're a corporate whore and uh, end of story. Sexy.
9: Got to have those sexy numbers in there.
7: Got to have those sexy numbers in <laughs> there. Give me with the telephone number. Oh, that, that telephone number, which you can call toll-free any time of day, any day of the week, 24-7, baby, is 612-263-7999. Six one two two six three seven triple nine, and you will get our scream mail line, where you may say whatever you w- would like, and we will play it on the air, and listen to whatever quandaries or queries that you may possess.
6: Yes, and in order to make that happen, we got to get some scream mails in. We are sitting with none in our sack for tonight.
7: Oh, we're out at sea, and we don't have a bit of hard tack on us. We need something. We need some. We need some lovin'. Yeah, you can give us a call. And uh, just, you know, tell us how your pie day is going. Did you have some pie today? <laughs> did you not have some pie today? <laughs> did you maybe have some pie recently and you want to you know tell us about some pie that you them? got?
6: Sorry. You yeah, yeah. <laughs> know
7: yes. what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying.
6: Uh, so I think that just leads well, I, us.
7: What were we going to say? I just want to say, I want to clarify one thing about all the boosts that we did. Because since we are on the big stream... uh If you're interested in lightning node, uh, payments and all that sort of thing, uh, just what we're talking about, of course, is in a nutshell, it's just a very quick way to send Bitcoin, um, to any show that you like any show at all that happens to be part of the podcasting 2.0 sphere, um, odds are they have a lightning node. And, uh, so if you, you know, if you're interested in that sort of thing, there's all kinds of resources that you can find, you can ask around. In the troll room or on no agenda social. Um, or you can literally just probably email Adam and he'll, he <laughs> yeah, you probably would hate me for saying that, but, uh, um, uh, maybe you shouldn't do that. Never mind. but <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Email and multiple times.
3: <laughs> Official medical <Yeah>. <laughs> advice
7: <laughs> and don't put donation in the uh, subject line, but please. make
6: sure, <laughs> make sure that uh, when you send the message, you take a screenshot.
7: Of your written message and then send that to him. Oh yes, that's right. <laughs> With a really shitty like JPEG. Like it's kind of blurry. <laughs> yeah, <blown out>. <laughs> 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 yeah, adam at curry.com, john at org, and also <laughs> notes at noagendashow.net, um, which is uh, Eric the shill who is uh, very important member of the team. He is the the third leg of the stool. <laughs>
6: yes, the back office as they say. But lavish, it's so much easier if you just go to NudePodcastApps.com where you can get in on all of the hottest podcasting
7: 2.0. Action! Oh my goodness, what was <laughs> I thinking? Thank you, Boo Perry, for reminding me. You can just go to NudePodcastApps.com and uh, you can find yourself a a compliant app don't you want to be compliant they love this stuff
0: they're jizzing
7: that's right turbo nude podcast apps.com nude not new nude well yes new but nude. new but also nude yeah. the new well. nude experience hmm. that's right memes are all we have um and that's that so yeah If you're interested in, in that sort of a thing, you can, uh, you can, you can go check it out. Uh, and, and the cool thing about it that is actually kind of under the radar is if you send one to say like MoFax, for example, MoFax is, has a lighting node. If you send them some stuff, you basically send them the equivalent of like one or two dollars and you're, and you're guaranteed to have your note read on the air. Whereas otherwise you'd have to send $50 or something through PayPal and, um, I don't know. That's kind of a funny little hack that's happening right now. I've noticed.
6: Yeah, it's uh, it, that's what's going to make all of this
7: just explode. <laughs> well, if it does, and and they're trying to get it to, but there is a sort of a curve to get <laughs> involved. But for the for the meantime, if you if there's a big big show out there and you want to get your shit read, send them a boostergram and they'll read it. Yeah, it's it's funny. This is very um, true. But it doesn't work with, uh, no agenda yet, to my knowledge. John wouldn't care. Mm. Well,
6: I got, uh, I got got an idea for rolling some dice tonight. Mm I'm gonna do, I wanna roll three dice. So the first die will be the first digit, second dice, second digit, third dice, third digit. Alright? Oh my god, I think I just broke my box. Oh Jesus. Oh no.
10: Oh,
7: the wood one? Oh uh, uh, yeah, I mean it's gonna eh, it'll be okay. That's ah shit, I'm sorry. Just a little tiny little crack. In, I don't know. That magnet's strong. Okay, so I'm so sorry. Uh, could you please explain the rules one more time to me?
6: uh Rolling three die. First digit is the our uh, first dice is the first digit. Second die, second digit. Third die, third digit. All right. Starting with okay. the six sided die, we'll roll that okay. one first. We're gonna be see who can get the closest to three thirty three
7: okay okay okay
6: you like that yes yeah, yeah.
7: the one that
6: wins gets to go first as we alternate stories back and forth tonight
7: okay all right <laughs> sounds good we're, we're keeping it fresh out here oh yeah you like it that way thanks sharky <laughs> for giving some karma to my wood i appreciate that in the chat if you want to get in the chat by the way we're at hashtag green room. In the Zero Node IRC, it's irc.zeronode.net. You can uh, go to our website, and you can get there easily through a Kiwi client, or we can uh, I don't know if it's a client, but through the Kiwi, whatever it is, it's easy to get in. You don't even need to make a password. And, this and then if you want to get a client, you can get one easily. Um, there's a lot of them out there that are free. Okay, sorry. Just Uh-oh. like to pr- promote some things real quick. Oh, yeah. All uh, right, so I've got my six-sided die. All right, so Bye. that would be
6: your first digit? The okay. four sided die, little triangle dude, that'll be our second digit. Okay. And then the eight sided die will round us out on number three. You got it. You like that? Yes. Okay. All right. Let me, Let's uh, do it. Yes.
7: Do, all
2: right, I think so. I should
6: put that on the. Uh, I know exactly what I'm going to do with that ISO there. Cool,
7: so cool. Just so everyone knows, the we use the cube die and the pyramid die and the diamond die. Not to be confused with Diamond Dave. That's right, and Lord knows you can be. Okay, what's your number?
2: I
6: got
7: five twenty-three. I got four
6: forty-three. Oh shit! I think that, that means, means you win. Do I wean? Do I wean? <laughs> Only oh, you're a winner, kiddo. Oh, I'm so
2: <laughs> proud of you. Yeah.
6: <laughs> oh yeah. And in an alternate reality, I said I would have said said no one ever. But it uh, didn't uh, happen
7: uh. here. Uh.
6: <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
7: Uh, that's okay. I have ice packs on hand over here. <laughs> God. Uh, i nice. still thinking out fucking, uh, Servo made a Mr. Scruff reference earlier. You ever listen to Mr. Scruff? Mm-mm. It's, uh, like a DJ guy. It's funny. I don't know why that's lingering on me. But seeing as how I won, I guess I get to talk about whatever I want, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Floor's yours. Take it away. All right. Well, happy pie day, everybody. Um, jeez, let's uh, let's see what I got today. Oh, you know what? Could you play pie fight for me?
6: I can absolutely do that.
2: Get your pies for the great pie fight.
7: <laughs> All right, there you go. We've started it off right. <laughs> I'll just to yeah, we, start. I like it. We have to set the. We got to put the needle in the groove there, just so things get going. Um, I have a a sort of a review of of a doc that I watched, and I'll I'll do it very quickly. Um, but I watched something on Reagan, or I should say on the Reagans. It's called the Reagans. Have you heard of it?
6: Mm-mm. I've heard of the Reagans, but not this particular documentary.
7: It's pretty good. I. I it had an interesting. Um, it it tries to be critical of them, it doesn't try to blow them up, but the way that they go about it is kind of woke and weird uh, at times. But overall, I actually kind of enjoyed it. They they made some good points, and I I pulled a little audio from a little bit of the trailer. If you could play Reagan trailer,
6: I can. Oh shit! Hold on, I got to go back to the the actual list. I'm sorry oh yeah sorry about that no you're good sometimes man these clips they'll, they'll do do whatever the hell they want to them clips are running all over the damn place you said that was reagan trailer which is number uh there it is or up from the bottom and
10: actually i'd
6: like to introduce myself my name is ronald
2: reagan
3: ronald reagan said himself if you are not a good actor
9: you cannot be a good president. You would not have got an elected president without Nancy.
8: Your
3: position has made it impossible. Doing
0: everything we can.
3: Doing everything we can.
0: My father was kind of a strange fellow to be president of the United States. There's nothing like being in the saddle all day.
10: He was a caricature out of American culture. Nancy
9: was the presence over everything. Oh, there he is. People were afraid of her.
3: Ronald Reagan lived in a world he created, what the ideal couple would look like. When the red light went on the camera, he was superb. We just made sure that he never got off script. Never responsibility. You are a
11: liar. It was our job to protect him, protect him from himself. With regard to uh, the... He was going to support the rise of corporate power.
0: This group of millionaires found in this actor the perfect frontman.
3: We have it in our power to begin the world... Over again.
9: The Reagans reinforced a myth of America that hurt many,
12: many people. The country is headed into the worst recession. They see the First Lady redecorating
3: the White House. Unfair criticism. You dust off. As long as the people buying the tickets liked it, that's all it counts. This is
8: crack (laughs) cocaine.
7: oh reagan look these these were the don't uh just say no people remember mm. the just say no you're you probably i remember get, the war on drugs time. oh yeah that was beautiful it was- a, it's still going by the way it's still going oh, we haven't we haven't kicked drugs asses yet <laughs> well you and I have, but the federal government is not no um <laughs> Uh, this is a family friendly show, people.
6: Oh, I do. Uh, I do actually have a topical ISO for that one.
13: Drugs are still kicking the piss out of the federal government.
7: Oh, wow. That's extremely appropriate in, in conference to what I literally just said. Just now. <laughs> <laughs> hand in so hand. For you. <laughs> this is what. Th- thank you, Booberry. Thank mm-hmm. you, sir. Not a problem. Thank you, uh, Sir Booberry. Black man of the moth. Thank you. <laughs> um. So uh, back onto this Reagan thing. Uh, the general gist with the Reagan deal, the kind of most well-known memes about, or I should memes, the most well-known, I don't know, yeah, memes about that we remember about that sort of guy and that whole administration was that he was kind of losing it at the end. Uh, he got dementia pretty hard uh, especially in the second term in his second term as president he was president from 80 to 88 so he was president for most of the 80s <laughs> and uh, the 80s were a pretty wild crazy time that are kind of monikered as trying to recapture the the 50s the feeling of the 50s mm. of that post-war boom yeah and of uh, you know just heavy materialism and and optimism and you know certain elements that are just inherent in that sort of a society that we now would call conservative or um, or materialistic or jaded or whatever but pop culture was in
6: its third generation of
7: thrust because you yeah, had the yeah you know cause where's the, that from did you come up with that yeah nice i like it thank you It kind of, yeah, it was. I mean, it's like, it was in a very, it was a very aggressive time and the Reagan administration and his personality was just very kind of almost over the top hokey American because he was, he was a movie star of course, but that was kind of his whole thing was he, he wanted to be like this all American guy. He wanted (laughs) to be this old timey fifties, like perfect American
6: I'm just an American guy trying to live that American sitcom.
7: (laughs) That's right. Just drive a beautiful car, throw a football around, and have my beautiful wife. And This is
6: not my beautiful house. Isn't my beautiful
2: wife?
7: (laughs) And so all of that, that exact song is is written in that time, of course, and is a a reaction to that, to that sort of uh, just the vibe that was going on at that time And, and the Wall Street.
6: Yeah, the decade of decadence.
7: Decade uh, of decadence. Yeah,
6: because you know, got uh, definitely like the hair metal scene and the rock and roll. You know, concerts are rolling out every year. That's a huge multi-million dollar deal, and uh, you got all these musicians running around doing drugs.
7: hmm And he was governor of California. You know, in the seventies, during that heavy, heavy time of hippy dippy shit going on, he was. He was. And running the show then, and he cracked down very heavily on uh, a lot of the civil rights stuff and things that were going on in Berkeley and at SF State. Stuff that I talked about uh, when Mo came on, and those exact leaders and those exact personalities—they were—they were leading these big, big rallies over there. And Reagan came in as governor, and he—he he beat the shit out of those people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he—he—he he, he ended that.
6: And if I'm not mistaken, the, uh, I, I want to say that one of his handguns was found at the scene of, uh, the Manson crimes, Manson, Manson family crimes. Really? Yeah. I want to say, uh, uh there's a dude on higher side chats. Maybe that covered that. Uh, so, one of the guests. i can try to dig that up
7: for you. Pretty, I would love to. I pretty would wild love to. Shit. Look into that. That's <laughs> hilarious. I got to write that down, actually. I
6: mean, California, Hollywood, small scene, especially at that time. I mean, fuck. Manson was a buddy boy with, a, oh, God, which Wilson? Brian Wilson?
7: Yes. You yes. Know, it was a very small town at that time. It still is a small town, but it was even smaller then. But if you go to Hollywood and you spend any time there, you'll, you'll find out real quick that there's a, a certain class of people that hang out and rub shoulders all day long, you know. But you never see them, because they get whisked around in cars and helicopters. Because they only come out at night. They only come out at night. They crawl from the street. Yeah, it's fun. Hollywood's a disgusting place. Um. Anyway, <laughs> back to this Reagan documentary. The, so there's four parts, and each part is uh, an hour long. A little under an hour. I've only watched the first two parts. Part one has hooked me, and it got me interested because... Really talked about the personality talked about Nancy talked about how she was uh, very much in control of him and, and what he did and that's kind of well known that Nancy really did run the show in a lot of ways and she had a lot of weird superstitions I don't know if you knew this about her, but she she had um, a professional like tarot reader and a, and a mystic I believe she it. had on hand for the entirety of that of that presidential. Um, Hold the terms
6: Man what a Man, trip that would be To, uh, to have that uh, Tarot reader on this show as a
7: guest That would be cool I don't think she's still alive But that would be super cool <laughs> So? <laughs> and there were There were um, reports that she would Have these guys move him around At all hours of the night Based on Astrology and based on just whatever was going on, whatever the tarot lady that she had hired said. So, you know, the Secret Service would get called up, and Air Force One would have to be ready at fucking 2.43 in the morning because that's exactly when, you know. They're guaranteed to have a safe flight, according to whatever. (laughs) And just goes on and on. And you hear stories about other people, great people in history, kind of being like that. Like uh, J.P. Morgan was reported to kind of be like that. And it's claimed that he avoided the Titanic, because uh, he he knew in the stars that it was a bad time to go on a boat. <laughs> of course, we know that he fucking sunk the thing. But, you know, that right. <laughs> we have the, uh, the benefit of history and time.
6: Yes, it looked like uh, uh, Joan Quigley was her name. And she passed away in San Francisco at the age of 87 in 2014. Born in mm. 1927, Kansas City, Missouri.
7: No, Kansas City. She must have been a barbecue fan. Yep.
6: And of course, there's that famous phrase, millionaires read the news, billionaires read horoscopes. Or something like that. Star
7: charts? That's right. That's totally right. Billy Bones says Nancy had a second swearing in for Reagan's presidency, so it was done when his moon was in the proper house. Yeah. And uh, they even start that the whole thing off with like a clip of her being a psycho and showing up in the middle of a press conference and for his birthday and giving him a cake and forcing everybody to eat this cake. And everyone's (laughs) like, okay, we have terrorists that are killing people. We need to get back to, and she's like, no,
2: no, no, let them eat cake.
7: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) How come, you know, poor cake, always in the middle of a a controversy Poor cake. Always getting
6: shoved into someone's asshole.
7: (laughs) That's Right. Or into someone's face or, or <laughs> asshole. And that's why it's pie day. We're celebrating pie, not cake. Um, Yeah. And then, uh, I don't know, to round it out, part two is is where it gets woke. Uh-oh. And I wish I had, had clips. Unfortunately, you can, by the way, see this. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know if this is really the right way to go about saying this, but you know about the shut-in theater thing, which I've shown you. Yes. On No is Social, there is a, a profile called Shed in Theater, posted, I believe, by Karma King. And uh, it may or may not have a couple Google Drives there where you may or may not be able to access a couple of TV shows or movies. Legend has um, it. Legend has it. And this documentary might be available there in its entirety. Or it might not be. Or it might not be. Or it might not. I don't know. It I'm could not- very well be i'm not saying one way or the other yeah this is like schrodinger's drive yeah no it isn't the drive
6: is alive and dead
7: yeah at the same time (laughs) all the time um yeah so if you want to go watch it you can find it there uh i mean maybe maybe not i don't know um and then part two as i was saying gets very woke and it starts going into like he was elected president because he was racist and because he he said all these dog whistles and so they ha- they have this liberal worm come on and talk about how like all these things that he said, which, you know, some of them are true. He definitely um, you know, tapped into that sort of a thing. He was he was a very old fashioned fifties guy, and I'm not saying that he wasn't uh you know, not as progressive as all of that, but At the same time, part two tries to sell the point that he was only elected because of this. As if, like, the same way that they say it about Trump, the only reason why Trump was elected is because of racists. And it has nothing to do with anything other than that, which, it's a a part of it, but it's such a small part. I mean, there's there's the economic factor that nobody acknowledges. You know, Reagan and Trump also represented prosperity and represented wealth and
5: private affluence. business and affluence. And, affluence yeah. and,
7: and that same aggressive eighties type energy, which of course Trump was a part of Trump was a, a rock star during that time and was a, at the epicenter of all that. And doing, so he's <laughs> only continuing that. Sorry. What's that
6: doing line after line and slinging stocks all day, all night, no. all day. <laughs> That's the craziest thing is he's done
7: it all dead sober. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Which makes him even more of a psycho in my eyes,
2: honestly. <laughs>
7: <laughs> I can't argue that. That's pretty funny. <laughs> I mean, really, it's it's a lot more fun, I would imagine, with coke and, and booze. But this guy's like, I don't need it. I just need the thrill of winning and pussy, and that's all I need. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> what a guy! Like, it's pretty pretty intense. And it's in, it's in a perverted version of America that Reagan didn't like Reagan was an old man that represented the fifties. Trump is an old man that represents the eighties,
2: you know? Mm
7: -hmm. I agree. I agree. Even though the eighties was a reflection of the fifties, it was anything, but it was, it was, you could be called an abomination of it, a perversion of it, you know, whatever. But it wasn't, it wasn't the same thing and it'll be tough to ever kind of get to that point. To have that sort of post-war enthusiasm like that. Although, it's looking like everybody's in a pretty fucking good mood right now, post-COVID. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. We're
6: we're all thrilled with our jimmies in a bunch. It's time for war, boys. Have a war. It's time for war. Bomb them. Bomb them. And bomb them again.
7: The least enthused call to war ever. (laughs) Just, know, can... Only Twitter pages are calling for war Brooklyn dad from his apartment right, Tell to wall, boys
6: Yeah, let me hear it Let me hear the hounds of hell Unleash
7: the wrath of hell <laughs>
3: <laughs> Yeah
7: Anyway, if anybody wants to check out that Reagan bit That's over there Um I also had uh, some other stuff on some other stuff, but uh, are we switching off? Is that, is that how this works?
6: Yes, I believe I'll uh, take over here. all right and And uh, I'm going to wet your whistle with a short John Cleese interview, of course, famous from Monty Python and uh, Fish Called Wanda in uh, Faulty Towers, which I was a particular fan of. Oh, yeah. Faulty Towers is very, very popular. I would say John Cleese is a very intelligent and funny man. Uh, and I think, uh, I think you're going to appreciate this interview and see if there's anything else I need to preface with
7: this first. Um, what I know of John Cleese, I, I, like, cause I know that all the pythons, I'm a big Python fan and I know that all the pythons have their own like political leanings. And I feel like with Cleese, I'm the most aligned with him politically.
6: Well, I think you'll get a kick out of these uh, sets of clips. He's making a documentary about wokeness, and this is the following interview.
14: I want to start by asking you, I, I know that you're particularly interested in talking about cancel culture. I think it's fair to say. I understand, in fact, you're making a documentary about it. What is it about cancel culture that interests you?
3: Well, it's a relatively new phenomenon, and of course it affects comedians because uh, a lot of us do jokes that uh, the cancel culture people, the woke people, don't think are right or don't think are correct. So I've been asked to do the program, so I've been exploring it. I've been reading quite a lot of books and trying to understand what it's all about, but it's quite a complex um, matter, and it seems to be boiling down to... Uh, the fact that I think some people are rather overprotective. I mean, we all want parents to be protective, but we don't want them to be overprotective because that uh, raises children who are not perhaps um, very well going to adapt to the real world. I think it's very important that uh, things should go wrong and that minor bad things should happen because that helps people to learn to become a little bit Tougher when they go out into the world, which is not a terribly friendly place a lot of the time. And if we overprotect them, then I think that doesn't work very well.
6: So he brings up a, a super critical point, which I would call the nanny state. People just want to overprotect other people.
7: Mm hmm. Want to give
6: all up in your business.
7: Over welfare.
6: I. The more I think about it, the more I totally agree with Larry when he says that uh we shouldn't even be acknowledging such terms as wokeness and cancel culture um, mm-hmm. I think that's a very incredibly valid point um but you know i think uh I think should we label it more harshly? Is that what he's trying to say? Well, he thinks that to use those words is to use the progenitors of those words uh, it, it's to to
7: use their power over people sure sure we need to come up with our own words to define these people i have a suggestion oh
6: conversion therapy
7: how original
6: <laughs> so this uh this <laughs> this uh, his answer john cleese's answer triggered the interviewer and she follows up with a but.
14: But John, you know, some would say um, that what you're suggesting you is that but? it's an why old. Do
3: you, why do you say but? Why do you say but?
14: Oh, it, it was just Wouldn't a turn you like of phrase. To just
3: explore what I'm saying. Yes, that's
14: precisely what I'm about to do, if you would give me the opportunity to do that. I want to ask you there are people out there who, having heard your views, would consider them to be old-fashioned and not uh, taking into consideration the feelings of people who have been hurt by some of these comments. And I want to give you the example, for for instance, in Britain, where racist behavior, for instance, was couched as a bit of banter. Is that acceptable, in your view, as a joke?
3: I think it's a very poor question.
14: I'd like you to answer it. (laughs)
6: And, boy, howdy, guess what? He does answer it.
7: (laughs) Oh, let me hear that answer. Yes, uh, part three.
3: Well, it's hard because it's so scattered, and it has so many different ideas in it, and I don't know which place to start with to answer it. Uh, What I've said is the important thing is that people are protected to the right degree, not overprotected and not underprotected. So the question becomes, what is the right degree? Now, the practitioners of cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a very successful therapy, which is used a lot to treat depression and anxiety in young people, say that the woke ideas are pretty much the opposite of what they use to make people less depressed in action. Now, it doesn't matter whether that's old-fashioned or new-fashioned or even from the early 12th century. That is a very interesting idea and needs to be explored without using these emotional terms like uh, people being hurt and all this kind of thing. Let's try to be a little bit more calm about it and use less emotionally loaded words.
14: Are you saying that people... No, I think
3: think you were going to ask me... Are you going to ask me about being here in Singapore to do shows and in Bangkok, or is that at the back of your agenda?
14: No, no, we, we certainly did ask you about that, John. John, I want to ask you about your thoughts on another comedian. I don't know if you know this American comedian Dave Chappelle, who faced a huge backlash for his oh, we're comments. Back on,
3: we're back on cancel culture. Yes. I thought we were going to be talking about shows and comedy, but I'm not interested in doing this interview anymore. So, I'll leave you now. Bye-bye.
14: Okay, that's your prerogative. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh.
7: This one goes out to you, John Cleese. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. You know what's terrifying is they will if you get caught in this thing, the Chappelle thing or Trump or uh anybody, and you get caught up in this thing, they just forever. They just the power that they have is they will repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat forever and ever and ever. It doesn't matter whether John Cleese or Trump or whoever, go away. If they just keep saying bad shit about them, the same thing about Chappelle, Chappelle's whole thing is now going to be this, this he's a trans hater and all this, and that's his whole life now. And because that's all a certain group of people in the world will do is just repeat the same thing over and over. And that's magic, baby. That's magic.
6: Meme it into existence.
7: Yeah. Big time. Words matter. hmm I was thinking about that today
6: too. the, the pound sign, how huh? that's a nifty little magical creation device And just slap in a couple of your favorite letters And then you you make a spell, hashtag spell mm-hmm. And you fucking ass blast it all over Twitter And you get some hype by, uh, building behind it And then boom, you got yourself some quote-unquote real power there Yeah,
7: it's just you just say it enough, it becomes true and that's
2: mm-hmm.
7: all. Mm hmm. Goddamn straight. That's some fucking nasty shit, people. You gotta, gotta breathe in some, uh, some sunshine here. Get away from that nonsense. Anyway, I like Lee's. I know that he typically does, can, he can be a little more liberal, um, sometimes, but he, he seems pretty moderate whenever I really listen to him get into it. He seems like, uh, just a, a typical... He seems like the guy that he, he he's always been. He's like, he doesn't give a shit. Go away. It's, it's stupid. The world's stupid. I don't have time for it. <laughs> or something. That's his thing. Right.
6: Yeah. I like him and, uh, I think, Eric Idle. Probably my two favorite out of the bunch.
7: Mm. They're great. Eric Idle made a shitload of money doing the, uh, the Broadway show, Spamalot. He's the one who... Who actually ended up making the most money of all of them? Well, I—I'll uh, turn this puppy over to you. All righty, all righty. Well, uh, should I do my last one, or should we have a break, or or should I do a short one? I can do a short one, and then we can go to break. How about that?
6: I like that. And we got a couple of mails that rolled through,
7: so we can uh, we can hit those up. Oh, key dokey. Well then let me do this really, really short one. I got this one clip. Uh, this is when I was looking, this is the same company that did, I'm not going to promote the company because we don't have ads on the show. Uh, but the same company that made the Reagan documentary also, uh, funded an Oliver Stone interview with Russian president, Vladimir Putin. Ooh. And uh, he actually asks asked him about Ronald Reagan. And uh, tries to compare Putin to Reagan, to to Putin's face, (laughs) which I thought was fascinating. So if you want to play it, and then Putin will speak in Russian, and I will translate. I don't speak Russian, but I have the translation. So you go ahead and just play, I think it's uh, the the Putin interviews. Putin interviews.
11: I'm sure he knows the story of Ronald Reagan, one of the most admired presidents by conservatives in my country. He was famous uh for sticking to his schedule, which required him on most nights to come home in the White House by six o'clock and have an early supper and watch TV with his wife.
8: All
2: right,
8: so that is my says,
10: point is that he
7: was a smiling man. A he was He says, uh, Reagan was a happy man. He was very well organized and no doubt that was a great achievement of his. That's what Putin says. And this is Oliver Stone interviewing him. Oliver Stone, if you don't know, is the director. He's very, he's probably the most famous in conspiracy circles for making the JFK movie Mm -hmm. with Costner. But he's made a lot of other great films as well.
6: Yeah. He did like a eight parter, uh, docu series on how the like, modern western world was founded through shadowy back channels and under the table handshakes
7: yeah i did watch some of that series i I did like that a bit i think he's a yeah he's he's on the right path but sometimes i'm like "Eh." you want my
6: hot take yeah sure corbett did it better with the uh leading up to world war
7: one series I would say that Corbett is way more on the level than Oliver Stone is.
1: You're not an honest journalist dude
7: <laughs> <laughs> corbett Corbett's way on the level, yeah, um Corbett to me is like he's he's the bedrock man like yeah he, he's i mean he's not right all the time, but fuck he's right a lot of the time and he's he covers a lot of really awesome stuff, and if it is gnarly and if it is out there, and if it is happening, he's covered it. <laughs> He's great. Um, but uh, he does have a lisp. so It's tough. To <laughs> the time. And John C. Dvorak has said that on no agenda. Anyway, uh, we can con- continue this interview and uh, see what, what else Putin has to say.
11: I will take it back just a little bit. He okay. was a smiley man. He was a great greeter and meeter. He was very happy uh, eating jelly beans and telling a good joke. So Reagan was a big believer in delegating authority to everyone around him I'm just trying to make that example because it's another way of living clown in charge.
8: you need to address two
7: issues you have to find the right people and then you have to delegate authority to them this is what Putin says' in response mm. to that You have two issues. You got to find the right people and then you have to delegate authority to them. And then Oliver Stone responds.
6: See, that alone right there, real quick, assures me that Trump and Putin never worked together.
2: (laughs) No,
7: I, I really don't think so. I mean, I don't, I don't know, but there's nothing that has ever stood out to me. Because
6: Putin could have been just like, hey, listen, you got to hire the right people. And if Trump had had picked that up and run with it, I think everything would have been a totally different story. But because Trump didn't know how to hire a motherfucker, that wasn't going to completely blow out the job.
7: Well, it's not easy. It's not easy to find good people. And what he did was he used his own people who... Maybe for certain jobs, for certain things, were good. They, they were effective at, at doing their job. And he could trust them, which is the most important thing to people with power. Not not that necessarily that you have good people, but you have people that you can trust. And people that will follow your orders and, and not, you know, fuck you over or be unreliable. And I think Trump's issue is that he trusted his family and he trusted a bunch of people And he doesn't really have as much time. You don't have as much time as a president to establish that circle of trustworthy people. You can develop a cabinet and you can put it together. But with a guy like Putin, who's been in charge of his country for the better part of two decades, he's really had time to like develop his team. And he's got his guy um, whose name starts with a D um, who he switches off being president with. You know about this guy? mm Trying to remember his name. Uh Russia's other president, you know. Cause Russia technically has these terms. Dmitry uh Mev Mevdev. Mev- Dmitry Mev Mevdev. Me- God, these fucking Russian names kill me. But anyway, he 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 switches between being prime minister and uh, president with Putin. So this guy is is one of Putin's boys, right? Mm-hmm. And Putin, of course, and when they talk about the Russian oligarchs, they, when they're talking about Russian oligarchs, they're talking about the wealthy families of Russia that Vladimir Putin's friends with. You know, his baseline of support, which the Reagans get into. The Reagans did the same thing. The Reagans never were a wealthy family. They didn't come from wealth. They made friends with American oligarchs, with wealthy families, California families. That supported them and gave them everything they needed Until they, you know, were so high up in the state That the state provided everything they needed And they still gave them everything they wanted
6: Right, and then they got shares of Netflix Oh wait, different president, sorry <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll get him. fucking Netflix <laughs> That'll show them <laughs> They got their share uh, Should we get back into the center review? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll keep going
11: Well, it seems to me you're doing it the hard way
8: Может быть. Я, тем не менее, это понимаю и стараюсь делать именно это. У нас разница большая. Рейн все-таки возглавлял Соединенные Штаты.
7: Как бы там ни было,
8: бы ни были. Oh God.
7: I think so. What does he say? Stone says, you know, you might want to think about delegating authority, right? And what Putin says is, um, well, probably. And I understand that it, it is something that I aspire to do. But there is a great difference between us. Ronald Reagan was the head of the United States. Um, and be that it, as it may, his difficulties in the United States were not comparable to those that we faced in Russia in the 90s and at the beginning of 2000s.
6: Right, when the USA completely bankrupt them in an arms race?
7: Yeah, something like that. And there's all these proxy wars everywhere. and. You had Afghanistan going on, you had the uh, South America was just littered with fucking war zones. Um, yeah. Anyway, and then uh, Stone responds again.
8: Yes. Сложности проблемы всё-таки они были несопоставимы с сложностями и проблемами, которые переживал. в Yeah,
7: so sorry. I'm just repeating what I said
8: before. Oh, gotcha.
11: Well, Reagan would disagree. He would say the country America was broke and that he, it needed to be fixed, and it was mourning in America again, and it was his job to bring in positive energy to uh, America. And he did a pretty good job of making that feeling. It's a feeling, it's an illusion.
8: things. <laughs> he says,
3: he says <laughs>
7: He says, Almost being broke and being broke are two entirely different things. <laughs> and that's,
6: uh, oh. that's when Putin started quoting Tub Thumping.
7: <laughs> that's when Putin started playing some death metal, some Nordic death metal.
10: <laughs> it, sounded,
7: it sounded a little something like this uh, Oh, God. That plays every time Putin leaves the room. <laughs> yeah, there that motherfucker goes. Is this comfortable for you? Is this comfortable for you? Well, it's actually down low. <laughs> Sharper than a fucking blade in the knife. That motherfucker.
6: Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hell yeah, brother. I'm 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 curious about that interview. I'd go check it out.
7: You got a link to in the uh, notes. I do have it linked in the notes to nice. uh, the YouTube video, not just a video that I got this clip from mm-hmm. and you can find, I don't think that this interview is in the same channels that I mentioned that I aforementioned mentioned with the Reagan's, but uh, if you want to find it, you can find it. Hell so. yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah.
6: I, um, I'm
7: going to hit can you, you... scream bows.
6: Yeah. Uh, that's our first one for tonight.
9: Oh, a scream! Ah, I don't want to make a whole lot of noise. Um, make noise! This is a tiny room. I'm in a tiny room. It's pretty exciting. Um, hi, hi, Lavish. Hi, Booberry. Hey.
2: Hello. hello, hello there.
9: Um, i I hope you're having a great show. Thank you. I'm having a good time over here. Nice. I just, I just thought I'd say hello. Um, hello there. Was there hello there. Cool. That I read. Let's see if there's any cool, any interesting things. I don't know if you're. I don't know if you guys are like wrestling fans. You guys watched wrestling when you're growing up, but uh, Scott Hall passed away. That that's something that I read.
2: Oh
7: no, I'm not familiar with the. Uh,
6: oh shit! Why did that
9: stop?
7: Uh, oh, what happened? To, what happened to the sea us see.
9: Hello. Um, I I hope you're having a great show.
6: Sorry, that was my fault.
9: I'm having a good time over here. I just I just thought I'd say hello. Um. Was there anything cool that I read? Let's see if there's any cool, any interesting things. I don't know. If you're, I don't know if you guys are, like, wrestling fans. You guys watch wrestling when you're growing up, but uh, Scott Hall passed away. That, that's
2: too bad.
9: that I read, and they took him off life support. And Damn. That, was there anything else that I thought was, Something that I could talk about. Well, that that's about it. I mean, yeah. I just don't know if you guys watch wrestling at all, but um, yeah. I'm just like sitting here, like having a good time, you know. Hell yeah! Uh, you guys got tarot cards. I got tarot cards. Okay,
2: all right. Let's let's oh, cut yeah. deck. Oh
9: shit! Let's put this deck over here. I'll flip it. I'll flip
7: oh my it. goodness!
9: Oh, we got a Queen of Wands. Oh, get it Ooh. To me. Hope you guys are having a great show. You guys rock. Um Mumwa. Uh, Thanks. Bye.
6: Well, Peekaboo caller. Hello. She
7: just Queen of Wands dust.
6: I know. Just blew a hole right through the door.
7: Or through the voicemail That's yeah. right. Through the airwaves. Through the radio air, they're not radio airwaves, they're it's cellular data. It doesn't the, matter.
6: The interwaves, interwaves, you know, yeah. zeros
7: and ones, cool, and a
6: and just a hot, fiery
7: queeny blast. Yes, Fuck yeah. Queen of Wands coming in with the Queen of Wands. Very nice. That is the great Carolyn Blaney, who was not able to scream because she was being a considerate person, and we salute you, Carolyn Blaney. Who hosts you, Hog Story every night? Every yes. every single night ever. Every Monday
6: night. The uh, the reason the um, the message stopped is because I went to go click on one of the text messages that we got, and uh, it pulled me out of the voicemail player.
7: So my apologies. Uh, no deal. Yes, it every looks, Monday night and every Thursday night at uh, seven thirty. Uh, central or no seven central. Sorry.
6: It looks like we've had a couple messages. I'm I'm sorry for uh, missing these uh, texter. Uh, one of them is a YouTube link. We will check that out here in a second. And then uh, there's a longer one with some more information. Lots of info on the moon. I have more, but here's a nice start. Another YouTube link, military intelligence, take on the quote space race for second half types or go old school. Sci-fi humor. Uh, another link If you think I'm lying go there yourself <laughs> There are no women on the moon uh, Pick and Not choose yet. <laughs> Just wait till I'm through with it God damn it We'll get women up there <laughs> uh, Pick and choose uh, Pick choose what deeper details You use from that second one Seems like Nick the rat uh, Might get some good mileage If you wanted to share it with him too Thank you for your courage Thank you for your courage, Nick the Rat, Nick the motherfucking Rat, Nick D Rat. Let's see here, I want to try and uh, get these copied so they don't get lost. I'm gonna go ahead and share those, and we'll uh, we'll circle back and check those out uh,
7: and report back on what we see. Yes, we you shall know. delve into the archives and uh, contribute to them with your knowledge. Thank you, thank oh, you.
6: very much. For shit. This uh, we got another picture. From another texter, and it's the Queen of Wands card itself. Woo! I know, I know. I'm gonna hear. I'm gonna drop that in the chats as well, so uh, everybody can take a good look at that one. Oh fuck yes! Oh fuck yes! Look at that! I only got one thing to say about that one.
7: If I can, yeah. Oh, Oh my.
2: Oh, my. Oh,
7: my. Oh, my
0: goodness.
7: <laughs> you got a wand in one hand. You got a sunflower in the other. She's sitting in a golden robe on a golden throne with lions about her. And she's got a cat, a black cat. That's hanging out, chilling at the foot, the right foot. Very cool. I like that. Very cool. And that is the... And there's some pyramids behind her. What? That's actually low-key low, low key detail there on the left. You see that?
6: Yeah, this is the Line Strider deck. I'm mm. sorry, not the Line Strider. What the fuck am I saying? Rider weight. Uh, the Rider weight. I'm going to take a big gulp of stupid here. <laughs> That's right. Very cool. Well, thank you for sending that in. Yes, you can always text that phone number, 612-263-7999. Send us uh, some fun pictures or whatnot. And uh yeah, we might even add into the show notes maybe, depending on uh on what it is that gets sent in. That could be pretty yeah. groovy. Yes. Uh yeah, we could... the classic deck. Yeah. Let's check our voicemails. Oh, I can hit you with a shorty here and then we'll do intermission. It's only five seconds.
7: Alright.
10: Someone keeps drinking all my beer. Ah! You know, caller.
6: One thing I can't stand is warm fucking beer, man.
7: Mmm. <laughs> well, warm beer is better than no beer. This is true. drinking all your beer. I mean, I mean, I know who drank all my beer. Uh oh. Of course, I know him. He's me. <laughs> I looked that son of a bitch in the
2: mirror. <laughs> <laughs> I looked him in, I
7: looked the, me eye. in the eyes i'm fucking the beer man, the servo and that's right man it's right <laughs> still my one of my favorite memes ever uh, a family favorite as well as is, is uh fred from scooby-doo mm. lifting the mask off finally the guy who drank all my beer and he lifts the mask <laughs> and it's fred <laughs> oh wow nice <laughs> oh that's funny <laughs> Uh, Very that's a, cool That's a classic, that's, a meme really classic. Cool. that's gonna be in the meme hall of fame
6: Well I think uh, I think you should uh, stick around and check out This intermission because there's a groovy little Segment in there that'll be quite topical To what you just brought up
2: Mmm
7: groovy groovy Are you ready Uh yeah Oh yeah Pop that shit in brah It's pot it's Pop Popping. pop pop We'll be right back, dudes. Want
2: to die young? Just as late as I
15: can. Want to get messed up? And go to Japan?
2: I got to sizzle. Another spice.
1: Day we get to rehearsal and we're playing the song The Mechanics, which had been changed into the Four Horsemen, and I'll tell you why. So we get there and Lars goes, "Oh fuck, man, we need to slow this song down a little bit, man." I pick up my guitar and I go, "The Sweet Home Alabama riff, right?" He goes, "Fuck, man, that's fucking brilliant, man." And I went, "Oh my god!" So I dumped the.
7: You know, throughout the years, a lot of people have asked me, Fred, why the scarf? And I always tell them the same thing. Why don't you mind your own
0: fing business, pal? I'm a f-ing cartoon star. I have more fing, f-ing people telling me what what I wanna wear.
7: So don't be afraid to express your true self. And remember, fashion first.
13: depressing to me when I see bands that I've known and enjoyed my whole life and they get signed and then I start reading these interviews and they're just like, well we did this and this because the label told us to, it just takes the teeth out of everything so find people you love, people you can trust, you know I'd say that's more important than how good musicians they are, really you know, it's way more important to have people that are going to be there on your side no matter what you, know, and you can learn how to play your guitar better as you get guys progress your careers. The traditional aspect of music is gone. I mean, the internet has changed everything. We've set our own rules from day one. The fucking music industry can go hang for all I care. You know, if California could break off in North America and sink into the sea, I, I couldn't be happier. I guess in a way, the corporate entity of the music industry is an assailable tyrant.
3: Oh,
2: no.
15: We now return to
3: Behind, Behind the scenes.
15: scenes. Starring Ubering, Bering, 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 love it, love it, 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 it. Welcome
6: back. It's second second half of show for Behind the schemes episode eighty eight.
7: That's right it is. It's pie day. Woo Do I have an applause? I think I have an applause. Woo Pi Day. <laughs>
2: <It's> Pi
6: Day.
7: <laughs> Very mm. cool.
6: Very legal
7: we enjoyed uh, that intermission was by Senor Booberry himself. Thank you. Thank you. Right, enjoyed it. It I enjoyed like- per- it. It was pretty, pretty darn good. I thought. Well, thank you. I-, I like putting those together. Yeah. The intermissions are fun. And, uh, and turbo in the chat is, uh, I think chipping out after rolling an 88. Yes. In the chat. We thank him for his courage or her courage or whoever you may be turbo. <laughs> You never know.
6: It's all turbo but, to me, baby.
7: <laughs> it's all turbo in the end. Well, I think uh, I think it's time to celebrate.
6: Oh, I thought oh, you I thought you would never. uh I've been waiting this pie. I never touched it. I took a mm. bite at the very beginning, and it's been sitting on this desk looking at me and this entire oh, yeah. show. This entire really? show. I'm digging in right now. Go for it. Oh, here we go. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh oh. Mm-hmm.
7: Oh, get in my mouth. Get in my mouth. Oh wow. Oh wow! Oh my! That's, that's pie. Mm. That's a pie right there. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! Mm,
2: that's
9: so
7: good. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh
9: my goodness!
7: Mm. Oh my goodness! Hmm. <laughs> oh mm.
9: Whoa!
6: I wish every day was pie
7: day. Every day can be pie day. Oh boy! What a delightful! What pie are you enjoying this evening, Sir Blueberry? <laughs> I
2: fucking knew it. <laughs>
7: <laughs> yes, that yeah.
2: sweet,
6: sweet, sweet cherry pie.
2: Mmm.
7: Yes, yes, yes. I'm enjoying myself a Dutch apple pie.
2: Ooh. It's
7: a fine. Mm. Mm, it's quite fine. Got a good crumble on it. Crumble
6: it, it into some salad.
7: Salad. It's Bulgarian apples.
2: <laughs>
7: mm. Mm. nom, nom, nom. Mm. Dutch Bulgarian. Mm. So great. Wow. So, this is what we agreed. We agreed we were going to do this. We're going to eat pie on Pie Day.
6: How could you not?
7: I don't know. What? I don't you're, know. You, you're
6: you not eating pie on Pie Day?
2: What? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> 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 oh, 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 oh.
6: <laughs> I uh I should say, uh just because this ISO has also been staring at me all evening long, all night long. Winking you in the face. Yeah, just staring me down. I uh I found us a new going off of the rails jingle. I'm going
2: off the rails a crazy
7: train. Mmm. <laughs> By Osword Osman Oz, Worthborn of the 3rd Regiment, yes.
6: There's no shortage of these. There's there's endless possibilities, endless possibilities. And I think for a while, while I'm on that kick, unless you got something else to say about it, I think we should change our boost sound once a week to one of these famous musical icons. What do you say about that?
7: I mean, yeah, as, as long as you you wanted, yeah, yeah, I'm down, yeah. I'm into it, sure, sure. Very cool. Sure. Yeah,
6: sure. I'm totally into that.
7: <laughs> yeah, I'm into that. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know. How can what I am I going to do, say no? No, be, be a dick. No, I don't want you to do <laughs> I that. I
6: deny you.
7: Instead of being innovative, I want you to use the same sound forever. <laughs> Any objections? I. Yes, I mean I. I object! I mean yes object. No, I. No, not no. Yes as in yes, as an I. Because I is in scheme with mm-hmm. threes. You can't spell <laughs> behind the schemes without I. You just get behind behind. Mm-hmm. You get behind the schemes. No good. That would sound like a terrible show. Yeah, you would be like you had the hiccups or something. Nobody likes having the hiccups. So mm. don't do that. mm uh, We should go ahead and thank some producers for tonight. We did. We did have some lovely producers come in. Once again, we are a value-for-value value production, which means that uh, in lieu of corporate sponsorship, we have folks who um, come in from just regular old life uh, that produce the show. And uh, we like to thank our producers uh, following intermission, uh, we will tend to call them other names. We'll call them freaks of hazards sometimes, but they are producers and uh, they deserve to be thanked.
6: We'll only call them that on days and end and why. So no need mm-hmm. to fear there.
7: Well, yeah, it's a it's a lazy fair policy.
6: <laughs> lazy fair. Uh, so I actually got a little package in the mail. From one Mousy Bear and Toonta,
7: it was some. Well, uh, I also got a package. Oh, well, from well, Mousy well. Bear and, and Toonta. Well, well, well. Yes, I think we got the same. Not the same. We got the same package. <laughs> Share that package. Yes, one <laughs> package. One package for the two of us, please. <laughs>
2: one
15: package <laughs> to rule them all. Do it. Do it. Do it.
6: Uh, so. In that package was some gummy bears uh, There was the two varieties The elderberry and the poopsie ones If I'm not mistaken uh, And then uh, I got a handful Of business cards Which I've decided I'm going to truck around The different parts of Minneapolis That have metaphysical shops And I'm going to pin them to the board And then maybe save one for a record shop But i got to find a record shop that's not uh, still Enforcing the mask policy So, And they also go. Cool I get to
7: do I this thing about find what's that? Oh, sorry, you first. I was thinking about finding some places with heavy foot traffic and I was going to put up the cards with the sticker. thus mm. promoting both things at the same time.
6: What if we put the sticker on the back of the card?
7: That would work too. If you're just giving out the card, that would be that would be killer. Um. Yeah, I was just thinking for, for Posting, I mean, I, I don't know, it'd probably be a better Idea to go to an actual store and ask them to put it up, rather than just Throw it up somewhere, because it'll probably get taken down Right Um eh, eh. Mm. And
6: of, uh, of course If you want to get in on that action With them, the Mousy Bear Wellness Gummies Head over to com. And mm-hmm. uh, she also wrote in a note I get to shake a paper Shake the paper. Out. Always wanted to shake the paper. Prove it's real. Uh, Blueberry thank you so much for all of the love and support. It means so much to me. You're awesome and inspiring. I appreciate your friendly disposition. Enjoy the stickers, Mousy Bear. Mm. Well, thank you.
7: Thank you, Mousy Bear. Nice. I appreciate I also that. got a note from Mousy Bear, but it was, uh, you know. It was. It was a. I mean, it was way cooler than your note. I'm not going to lie. It's way better. <laughs> not but ready
6: for prime time. <laughs>
7: I'm, I'm going to have to. Yeah. Once I get it framed, then I'll read it. Nice. It's. It's, it's mine. It's mine. for now I own my precious. You don't get to see my note.
2: <laughs> no. No.
6: Note. No. Note for you. Yes, bully steed. I. I have totally dropped the ball in the mailbox. I will. Uh, reinvigorate. Uh, efforts into securing one and maybe a uh
7: yeah i'm, I'm thinking i should something. do that too i'm gonna yeah booberry and myself will both establish a p.o box yeah and we'll get that up and running because lord knows i send people stuff and people want to send me stuff that's cool too yes fun we will, Christmas uh, every day, says Boysteed.
6: <laughs> and uh, I saw that uh, her favorite pie is rhubarb pie, which is a damn close <laughs> second contender to cherry pie, in my you humble opinion. Rhubarb
7: pie—it's mm-hmm. very, mm. very uh, sophisticated. It's oh, actually yeah. quite a luxurious item, if you ask me. Yeah, rhubarb grows uh quite a lot of it grows in West Virginia.
2: Mm-hmm. Tasty. I imagine
7: tasty rhubarb. And I'd like to uh, wish Bully Steed a hearty congratulations for reaching Damehood. Yes. That is Dame Bully Steed now. Dame Bully Steed. That's congratulations.
5: right. Congratulations.
7: She was able to be damed on episode 1433, I believe, of No Agenda, which is uh really cool, I think, show number to be damed on. So congratulations to her. The of course, big 30, fan of Blue Steve the thirty third time that
6: thirty three was in one of the uh, episode numbers, if I'm not mistaken.
7: The thirty third time, and Servo just gave her karma, and she's got sixty six karma in the chat. Whoa, damn son! You Lots. know, some people take this stuff seriously.
6: <laughs> Lots of magic numbers in the in the chats tonight. Hashtag green room. Hashtag numerology. Nice. Yeah,
7: nice work, boulet.
6: Yes congratulations again uh continuing on mary Co- uh, mary kate ultra during i can 't remember if it was a show post stream or a special broadcast, but she linked to a creepy ass photo of George Bush holding a bag of crack cocaine mm-hmm. and uh, that is what we ended up using for tonight 's show art This is crack cocaine. Except I photoshopped on uh, Lavish's request a slice of pie into the picture.
7: Yes. Yes. It had to be pie day special. I'm going to do the pie. Pinus. His pinus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. That. Okay. If I had a stick, I put that on the stick. I'm just saying. Oh, Yeah. Uh, This picture. Come on, man. Come on. I know. I know. I didn't even have to say anything. I just didn't know what I was saying. But what I will say is that this picture of George Bush with this crack is is pretty.
6: It's excellent. Pretty
7: pretty excellent. (laughs) It's just, I don't know, something about it. It's so like legit. It's obviously really in the Oval Office, and there's the flag, and there's all the stuff. And just like, there's so much crack in that bag, in that evidence bag. Yeah, that is a.
6: I think the technical term was a boulder.
7: (laughs) It's a boulder.
6: (laughs) This ain't your mama's
7: Boulder, Colorado. (laughs) That's straight up. Straight up. Bedrock. Once again, I used the word bedrock. Uh, There's a lot of coke, crack, cocaine in that bag. So. We had to cover it up with a big slice of pie. We already had to find a big slice of pie to cover up all that crack cocaine
6: yes, and it was it was a little challenging, but we got it working. you know
7: it looks kind of goofy, but uh these I are know. the the breaks There's a lot of crack in the world, so this yeah. is what, these is the cards that were dealt
6: yeah oh i should have I should have pinned this out a little harder at the beginning of the show, but uh. Zosa's Corner, and if you're not using them, one of those nude podcast apps uh that features chapters, all of the art that is featured in our show notes also scrolls by as we talk about the subjects at hand. How cool is mm-hmm. that? It's like yeah. you're it's like you're listening to a trashy tabloid full of trashy tabloid fake news.
7: It's <laughs> really cool. It's awesome. It's it's like it's the new serial. It's so Cool. You gotta check it out for yourself. I wasn't a believer until I saw it myself and I was like, Wow, this is actually really neat. I get it now. I understand now. I'm compliant now. <laughs> Once again,
6: I am I am compliant. Yes. I'm in I'm so
7: I'm I'm so in line. <laughs> when you look at me, you see a compliant man. NudePodcastApps dot com. Was oh, this comfortable for you? Is this comfortable for you? Well,
11: it's actually down low.
7: Nap. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Servo <laughs> just made the 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 command nap.
6: Oh There's shit! Go.
7: Thank you, thank yes. you. Yes,
6: I like that. Oh, we should uh we should once again thank Servo for spending so much time helping me get the node up back and running. Uh, he yes. also provides uh the hottest bot. On the internet, gal, uh, in the green room chat room, I actually—if I'm not mistaken—I thought I saw a link to a new sexy tarot card. Mm. Let's see if I can get one to appear. But uh, yeah, if you want to yeah, hang out, please
7: do procure that. I don't know. What I mean.
6: Draw yeah. uh, tarot cards or roll dice. She'll do anything. You ask her questions and shit. It's a really good time. She's—I'm yeah. uh, in love with yeah.
7: her. Oh, we know. I know. I know that it's, it's a, it's a hot pot and that's why Uber is in love with her. And that's why Servo is the man. And he's, he's one of our perpetual high ranking producers around here. We actually have a bust of him in the green room. It's a styrofoam bust. The kind that you put wigs on. Mm, Yes. And and it has Servo written on it and Sharpie. And, um, and it has actually it has Duodenum written on it, and then it's crossed out, and then it's got "Servo" written under it. But yeah, <laughs> thank you, Servo. <laughs> we couldn't find
6: a marker to cross it out, so we had to use an old uh, stick of lipstick that we found lying around one of the dressing room <laughs> drawers, the makeup drawers.
7: Yeah, yeah, old lipstick, really bad. So we, but it's it's good though. It's fine. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. good. It's it's a good rouge. Mmm, <laughs> a good rouge indeed.
6: Uh, yeah, let's see, <laughs> The The uh, next one that we had, next freak of hazard that we had come in was Coffee with her three dollar and thirty three cent donation. That is a monthly
2: Ooh. via the
6: PayPal. thank you, Coffee. Yes, Coffee Von Dust Bubble. We appreciate the. Uh, we appreciate you. Your groovy three thirty three. Always appreciated. And right after her was Double Thought he sent us a donation of $3 and 33 cents. they do a show called double thought dimension. Uh, and I actually, I was, you know, going to go pull the link for the show notes tonight and I'd seen that they have a new discord server set up. So if you're into that, you like playing around in the discords, I've got it linked in the show notes. Double thought. If there's, if you have issue with that, let me know. I can pop it right out. Uh, not a problem. It'll update automatically. Just let me know one way or another.
7: Um, Not a bad idea, Derek. Not a bad idea at all, getting a, a Discord up. That's that's good. Nice. Cool. I'm in. Yeah, the invite, as you said, as we already said, in the show notes. Mm-hmm. So check that out if you would like.
6: Uh, let's see. Who else do we have on our list for tonight? Uh, of course, Sir Bemrose, He allowed us uh, permission to jump on the stream for tonight. We have, uh, are broadcasting on the No Agenda stream live, as it stands now.
7: Which is That's right.
6: incredibly exciting. Yeah. And uh he also uh released a hot new chapter building application that I will be trying out for a test run
7: tonight. Oh, very cool, very cool.
6: Yes, uh no more PowerShell script for this guy. <laughs>
7: hey, you guys don't even realize how much chapters get Booberry gone. Booberry oh, loves man. chapters. You- Ooh, yeah. man. Oh, man. Like, oh, yeah.
6: It's getting hot up in here.
7: Oh, wow. He hit me up the oh, other wow. day, he's like, hey, man, how's it going? You want to see these chapters? This is crack cocaine. Oh, yeah. Yeah yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah,
6: yeah. <laughs> is
7: anybody else itching uncontrollably? Mm. No. Yes. No. <laughs> uh, uh, no. No. Uh. Thank you for the hot new chapter building application, Sir Bemrose, and uh, thank you for being the curator. Yes, we appreciate that, Uh, and I think- We're going to get him on the show again one of these days, right?
6: Yes, if you want to check out the last time that he joined us, I forget the episode number, but uh, the title of it was, A Gratuitous Display of Violence Against the Microphone.
7: That's right.
6: Which you can find all of our old episodes at badradio.live or behind the schemes, SCH3M3S.com.
2: Mm-hmm.
7: Yes. In the word schemes, you have threes instead of e's. Behind the schemes.com. Find it there. Or badradio.live. Or every now and again, loveislit.com, if it's working.
6: (laughs) When I damn well feel like it.
7: (laughs) (laughs) That's one of our feistier, feistier Earls. My name is Earl. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of that there. But of course, if, if you want to be a producer of the show, uh, you can, of course, give a financial contribution at our website, but you don't have to do that to be a producer. If you send us, uh, clips, pictures, you send us an email, ideas, conversation, even all of these things, uh, are considered uh, very valuable to us. And, uh, we consider it very valuable to the show. So if you do contribute in this form, we will. Ultimately, give you some some credit uh, on the air. So, if you'd like to join that rank, feel yeah. free to visit our website. Come on down. Mm-hmm.
6: That's the sort of stuff that makes this show so fun: is the interaction with listeners like you.
7: Listeners like you.
6: Listeners like you. All right, well, uh, I'm gonna play some jingles here, and then we'll uh, get into a voicemail, and we'll continue on with one of my stories.
8: Oh, money, money, money. I need to get into the garden so I can start making the money. That's where you make
7: the money.
2: Oh, thank you, everybody.
7: The money.
6: Oh, there's a great Guar clip. I got a pool of Odorous saying,
15: The money, the money, the money.
6: Oh, it's so good. It's like their first or second concert of P.B. Kelly's. (laughs) P.B. Kelly. Yeah, it's a
7: long gone bar in uh, Richmond, Virginia. Oh. Uh, We get that and then we get one hit of uh, Pink Floyd Oh, I can look for
6: it I can certainly look for it Isolated
7: tracks on YouTube, let's go Oh yeah, oh, speaking of isolated tracks You're with this Kanye MP3 thing Mm -mm. Apparently it isolates tracks automatically Oh,
6: the stem player?
7: Yeah, the stem player Did you show me this thing? No, Fletcher's been playing with one Fletcher's been playing with one, and, and somebody somebody showed me this. I mean, Fletcher was playing with it, but somebody else showed it to me, and I, I thought it was fascinating. I think I'm going to get one eventually. But it, it allows you to isolate. You can take any song, and you can isolate vocals, drums, bass, on the fly. This little device. it's Pretty cool.
6: Wow. Yeah. I think it would be uh, very exciting to play.
7: I've seen other people mess with it too I've seen people like post songs That have the isolated tracks on them
6: You know what we should do? We should put a voicemail On the stem player
7: Mm-hmm.
6: And uh Until we can get one, here's this <coughs> <coughs>
2: Oh, gosh.
0: What's a strange mating call?
2: Here
7: we see its natural habitat trying to attract a mate.
6: Oh, if you can tell by the way the feathers are arranged in a brightly technicolored fashion to fan out, you can tell that it is that time
7: of year. <laughs> the male has spent three months preparing this only little pit of dirt to look as immaculately as possible for any potential mates to come through. <laughs> now, I don't want to stutter the poor thing. <laughs> <laughs> there, the female starts to put her finger up the rectum of the mate. This is, a, this is what is known as the American oil check. <laughs> <laughs> Only migratory birds that hang out around truck stops seem to have developed this mating pattern.
2: <laughs>
7: <laughs> and
2: as we can see now,
6: and <laughs> with proper timing, a lot of lizard seems to approach the
7: situation. <laughs> lizard just wants to watch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, it seems she—it seems that she is
6: offering something out. To the pair. Let's see if we can zoom in and take a closer look and see what the object that she is offering is.
8: This is crack cocaine.
7: Ah, yes, crack cocaine she is offering (laughs) the two. They are now seem to be fleeting from the mating scene to a nearby motel.
10: (laughs) Take this one, I got pie in my mouth. (laughs)
7: You know what else I ate other than actual pie was a pizza pie. I made my own pizza today. Mm. For dinner. So I had a pizza pie, and then I had a pie pie. Om nom.
9: Cheese equals kissing.
7: Very tasty.
9: Olives mm-hmm. equals
6: giving
5: oral.
7: Do you have any olives? Uh, I had, uh, pepperoni and and jalapenos with a balsamic glaze. oh
0: God. Oh, God. So,
7: but don't tell my parents. That's
6: not. That's not good. I can't. I can't sit on that information. This that that is just too far.
7: Don't worry, and we're gonna censor all of this uh, on the show as well. We're gonna just. That's gonna be one giant beep.
14: <laughs> is that acceptable in your view as a joke?
7: You ever given <laughs> her a balsamic glaze? <laughs> oh no!
6: Oh man! All right, we've uh, we've gone off the beaten path. We yep. should return back to uh, to our program.
8: Tell me lavish. How concerned should we be about giant spiders dropping from the sky? Lavish. Can I
7: tell you about a place where I grew up where spiders did drop from the sky? Oh, please. I spent a lot of time growing up in a sort of a, a river delta farming sort of area. And... uh there's a lot of wind there and there's a lot of spiders there and the spiders would make these like parachutes with their webs and they would catch the wind and they would float with the wind and they would literally land on you. Oh, hell yeah. Just be like spiders, like floating around.
6: (laughs) How do you feel about spiders?
7: Uh, Personally, I I don't have a great fear of spiders. Uh, Spiders aren't my thing that I'm afraid of. Uh, I I don't, I'm not really that, but uh, I I don't like them. I mean, I think, especially if they're like Black Widows or whatever. Mm. No offense Like a brown uh, recluse or something? Yeah, I mean, the ones that'll really mess you up and hurt you, absolutely. You gotta watch out for those, but... Like a big tarantula, uh, I'm sorry, a big tarantula or something like that. I think those are cool. I like tarantulas and bugs and snakes. What I don't like are um, uh, rats and mice. Uh-oh. Uh, that one I would hold close to the heart. But I, I got you.
6: I'm picking up what you're putting down.
7: But you're a fan of, so you are a fan of mice and rats and stuff. You like those?
6: Uh, you know, they're cool. I always one, one as a kid, but I've never really interacted with them, you know? hmm but you don't have a fear of them or
13: anything
2: Mm-mm. like that, no.
6: No, not really. Not really uh, scared of spiders unless they, I guess, surprise me in some capacity.
7: Sure, sure. Uh, especially that goes for like, just about anything, really. Yeah,
6: living out in the woods in Virginia in a trailer, you know, we had some interesting encounters with spiders. In, in the woods, Like, you'd have the big wolf spiders the size of your palm, uh, out in the woods But uh, we had the other one I think they're called Gardener spiders mm-hmm. Big fat yellow And black abdomen And they do really Ooh. nice webs And they're You know The size of like a Half dollar A little bigger maybe When I was uh, mm-hmm. Walking in From the uh, From the garage One night And I had a little Covered walkway And just one dropped in Right by my face In the middle of the night Pitch black woods uh, mm-hmm. All we had was The like Well that's no good Yeah the one light Uh <laughs> No, nah,
7: you don't. That, you don't have any fun with that. There, that's no good.
6: But me and Dad, we catch like black widows and put them in jars and
7: shit. So, yeah, that's a not really too bothered by them. But well, if you grew up with them, that's the thing, right? Just just to harp on it just a little longer. I mean, like this, I mean, growing up out there, they, they were around everywhere. So you don't really you get used to them. Mm-hmm. And then I one, I remember one time I brought a girl out there. I had a girl out there, and in the middle of the night, this girl woke up screaming and, uh, and I was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I I guess a spider had come down and like landed on her face while she was sleeping. And I was like, Oh damn, that sucks. Like man, uh, do you need like glass? And, but she like broke down. She freaked out. Like she wouldn't go back to sleep. Wow. Like she, she like was like up and pacing around and just like freaking out, freaking out. I was like, wow, it's." I'm sorry it scares you that bad, but like you know, whatever. <laughs> well, I will say bed.
6: people that I know that hate spiders really hate spiders.
7: Yes, like yeah, it's
6: spiders. not. It, it's it's to the point where people think it's funny to like fuck with them when it comes to shit like that, but it's it's really not. Um, I'm not
7: a, a big fan of doing shit like that. Yeah, generally speaking. Um, yeah, but anyway. Well, I should say that uh, science is
6: saying that we should all be pretty concerned here.
8: A story we feel duty-bound to bring you tonight. New fears that monster spiders could invade the east coast of the United States. When will this happen? Well, experts say it's only a few weeks away. Invasive spiders here. Researchers at the University of Georgia tell us that these spiders could parachute down from the sky and that could be a problem. So we have scoured... The arachnid community, for people who might be able to help one of these exterminators, is called Billy the Exterminator. He and his brother have <laughs> dealt with this species in the past. Before we get to them, we want to give you some sense really? of how they deal with invasive spider problems.
6: Now, typically, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even think twice of pulling a Tucker Carlson clip. He's not my guy.
7: I think that we've all kind of agreed to not pull Tucker clips, but catch him. But- arachnid community.
6: When he's talking to Billy, the motherfucking exterminator,
7: who has Billy's his the own
6: A&E show, I mean, how could you resist that? And plus, goddamn, dude, where
8: else are you going to find ISOs like this? How concerned should we be about giant spiders dropping from the sky? Monster spiders could invade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to see the spider. It's
7: too easy, man. Tugger's like (sighs) you know? One ripple in the in the timeline. And I'd basically fucking be all about that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Um, (laughs) so I mean Steed says she's seen spiders at ten thousand feet on glaciers. My question is, Bully Steed, what the hell are you doing up on a glacier that high? Get down (laughs) from there. Dangerous (laughs) up there. That's a no way to talk doing? to a dame, damn it! Uh, oh, sorry. Never mind. My bad. Please continue, Dame. Dame, bully, steed, scaling glaciers. Yes. I'm um, uh,
6: sorry. I'm sorry. There's, there's only. I only have one course of action. Yep. Ooh. Ah. Oh, oh,
2: oh. What? Ah.
6: Dame, bully, steed. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so, second clip, we get introduced to Billy the Exterminator again. <laughs> just a trip of a fella if you're not uh, familiar. Check like him good out. Good friend Billy. Good friend Billy. Do I have anything else in this one? Um, and you know what? Billy the Exterminator is one of those so called experts.
8: Billy Brotherton is known in the erected community as Billy the Exterminator. Ricky Brotherton is the <laughs> owner of Vexcon, a pest control company in Louisiana. Billy and Ricky join us tonight. Gentlemen, thanks so much for coming on. How concerned should we be about giant spiders dropping from the sky?
4: Uh, you know, Tucker, th- this is a new age. Uh, there's been a lot of problems with uh, the weather, climate yes. change, forest fires. All of this stuff is pushing uh, large groups of insects and animals all over the place. Uh, That's what's going on with this species of spider. Um, I've seen some images already of this spider where it's like turning the sky like black, like a giant black cloud coming at you. Uh, And I think it's uh, displacement, you know, from the stuff that we're doing.
6: That's right, everybody. Climate change is the cause for giant spiders parachuting out of the sky. It's so easy.
7: Just so easy, isn't it?
6: <laughs> well, as Axl Rose once said, it's so fucking
7: easy. It's so fucking easy. <laughs> there's le- there's less birds. They took them all out and they replaced them with government uh, cameras. And the cameras don't eat as many bugs as before. They don't eat as many spiders as before. I'm sorry, not bugs, arachnids. I don't want to uh, offend the arachnid community. Um. Yeah, they got it going on. Uh,
6: I can drop a couple more tidbits here before we continue on with this last clip. Uh it was of course the University of Georgia that released this study. The invasive speeder is a species is known as the Joro spider. Uh <clears throat> it comes from Eastern Asia. Uh circa 2013 in their native Japan. Well,
7: well, well. Yeah. From where? Wuhan?
6: Uh, actually, uh, native Japan, native to Japan. Oh, Japan. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Joro spiders, okay. Joro sp- Horo spiders, Joro, I'm not sure. Actually, they colonized Ugh. most of the country. Researchers wrote adding that Japan, uh, has a very similar climate to the U S and is approximately the same latitude. Uh, they are related to the golden silk spider, which has already inhabited the area for about 160 years. And unlike its cousin, the competitive Juro spider can withstand temperatures colder, uh, probably in hopes of becoming the family favorite. It also has a higher metabolism and heart rate, and therefore actually has a shot of invading the southeast uh, U.S. in the coming years. And there's also quote-unquote so-called concerns for these spiders moving north. But uh, allegedly, legend has it, in Minecraft, they are, I think they're venomous, but their fangs are too too uh, small to pierce human skin.
2: <laughs>
6: well, you. So, so it's uh it's implied that uh you should just well <laughs> here's my actual notes. They're quote probably harmless. The spiders are relatively harmless to people and pets, making their presence more of a nuisance than dangerous. Uh Jorus won't bite unless cornered, and their fangs are often not large large enough to break human skin.
7: Um so what they're going to do is they're going to spread everywhere, and then they're going to evolve to have long enough, whatever things. shanks, shanks, <laughs> ab abdominables, ab- yeah, to puncture your to your your face.
6: There was a there was another quote that really caught my attention, and it said, uh, "I believe this actually came from the University of jo- or no." um. The original article that I wrote about this one because I got one of those second tier ones, uh, second tier articles. But it said giant spiders are here, and you should simply learn to live with it. <laughs>
7: <laughs> you went your whole life to write something like that. I know, man. I know the. I, I unironically, you know what I mean. Like in a scientific uh, mode. This is like the
6: revelations of the best of times.
7: I don't care what any, times.
6: anybody says. Fuck it. Let's go. Pedal to the metal.
7: Giant <laughs> spiders falling from the sky. This is the future. Welcome to the future. This well, is the future. Welcome to the future, everybody. That's right. <laughs> uh, <so> my, <clears throat> it's 2022.
6: 666. Well, it's not quite the future yet. So, Billy, the arachnid expert, gives us some tips on how we the general populace would be able to fight back these giant spiders.
8: So you're describing a plague so, of spiders, really. I mean, not to get theological, um, but th- I think that's that's what you've just outlined for us. How are you going to deal yes, with sir. it?
4: You know, um, there's a lot of different ways of doing it. I don't think chemicals would be a smart move with that many spiders because we have a lot of non-target pests and animals that will try to eat the poisoned uh, ones, so it's just not good. Right. I think the best way to deal with it is when... Um, they start to accumulate on the ground somewhere. They have these industrial vacuum cleaners with a 12-inch hose. Uh, they run on gasoline, and they will <laughs> suck a dead raccoon up. Uh, they certainly can handle a job like this. Just suck them all out off the ground, and oh they'll be my. dead.
8: <laughs> Given the rising price of gasoline, I wonder <laughs> if a broom might work.
4: Yeah. Any, anything you got, man. I mean, uh Smash it with a boot, whatever, man. Because I mean, it's coming. I mean, it, this isn't our only problem. We got a lot of insect issues that are going to become a problem in the near future from the climate change harp. So, anything Sounds that's like, can
11: do. Uh. <laughs> yes.
4: <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Ricky. Sounds like what?
11: Yes, sir. Uh, anything that the homeowner can do as far as getting rid of uh, mosquitoes or flies or any type of thing that the spider can eat on, then that mm-hmm. would really help to shoo them away from your property and have them go elsewhere searching for food products. That makes hey, can sense. you ever open this thing up? So, yeah. Sounds like we We're should We've got a
4: spider too. in
8: here. Is that, oh, is that yeah, the for sure. We've, I mean, we've only we got, got about 15 seconds. Go so a show show us the spider here. really quick. Horrify us yeah, yeah. one last time, if you would. Yeah, it's all right. Okay, uh.
0: so...
4: um. These things are. have a three-inch diameter. God, I was trying to get this thing out here. But, yeah, All um, right. I
8: got to get to Sean Hannity in three right. seconds, but that that spider's horrifying. Yeah. I hope you kill it. Gentlemen, thank you.
7: You want to know what yeah. <laughs> Sean Hannity
6: said to him? <laughs> to Tucker? What
7: did Sean Hannity
3: say to I want to see the spider. Oh, I fucked that up. I want to see the spider. They're having a good
7: time over there, you know? That's that's just good old fun. That's good old fashioned fun, right there. That's it's shit like that that actually competes with what podcasting is doing and everything like that. That's just fun.
6: And the only thing that trumps podcasting, in my professional opinion,
4: they run on gasoline and they will suck a dead raccoon.
7: (laughs) Oh my god! Can I get one? Just
4: suck them all out.
7: Oh yeah. (laughs) Sounds good. Sounds good. Give me one. Give me two of them.
6: I'll have what she's having. (laughs) I'll take it. I'll take it, please. Thank you. Chris. Uh, How many stories you got left?
7: What you got? I got one. uh, Well, let's see. What do I got here left? I got, well, actually, I I have uh, some funny Biden gaffs, and then I have one story left. Let's just listen to some dumb. Biden's so dumb.
6: Uh, Mm -hmm. Biden won. Biden? Uh... Sorry, i got to pull that list back up. Biden don't make sense. Biden don't make sense, man. 4.43, that's what I rolled. You
10: for. always ask me the nicest questions. <laughs> I know you do. All right. I, None of them make a lot of sense to me, but I... I
3: well, let's, let's try. Fire you. away. Come on. A new year. Uh, <laughs> give me what you got. Give me what you got.
7: Whatever, dipshit. Trump said something like that. Uh, you and then, stupid uh, son of a bitch. You st- and that's this is, this is the guy that he called a stupid son of a bitch. Oh, this is Peter God. Dooley. So <laughs> this is the exact guy. So he calls on this guy and he goes, oh, hello, you, you know, type of thing. Uh, please play Biden too.
3: Why are you trying so hard <sighs> in your first year to pull the country so far to the left?
10: Well, I'm not. I don't know what you consider to be too far to the left if, in fact, we're talking about making sure that we had the money for COVID, making money sure for we COVID. had the money to put together the bipartisan infrastructure making sure hmm, we were able to provide for those things that, in those fact, things. would significantly reduce the burden on working class people but make them they have to continue to work hard.
7: It'd make <laughs> them continue to have to work hard.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
7: that's right. We want to give him some love. We don't want to give him too much love. This
6: weed ain't going to harvest itself.
7: <laughs>
2: Look
7: at John Cleese here. We don't want to overdo it here, okay? We don't want to like alleviate student loans or anything. Uh, want people to, you know. I don't even want yeah. to touch it. <laughs> anyway, sorry. No, sorry to even bring it up. I no, know. It's, no, 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 just it hurts the, for everybody, trust me. I
6: I feel I don't know, I just I feel bad cuz a lot of people are really like leaning into that the student loans are, are going away. This is our chance.
7: Well, and a lot of people are fucking naive. But anyway, I don't know. That's maybe I'm just being an asshole, but just the whole thing from the very beginning has always been evil. It's not going to, no one's going to snap their finger and make it go away.
6: I'd seen someone, I forget who it was on no agenda. Social it was a, it took five months to, for the U S government to decide to give all of its citizens $600 and eight hours to send 13 million
7: to Ukraine. Billion, billion, 13 billion to Ukraine. Oh yeah. Shit. 13, 14 billion. They did that just like overnight. And then they were comparing it to the Trump wall situation. The most Trump ever asked for for the wall was like four or five billion. And, um, and they fought that tooth and nail forever and ever and ever. But then if they want to build a wall in Ukraine, they'll give them, they'll give them 14 billion. You know what we should do
6: that might help alleviate this situation? What? So what if we went to now hear me out, but what if we went to Berlin and built a wall? To keep those pesky Russkies out,
7: I think Berlin's pretty big. You know, maybe if we split it into two parts, it'd be like easier to deal with. Oh, so maybe you got like, like one north side north or the other Berlin and a South Berlin or something, right? Like that. Yeah.
6: Well, no, I don't know if the north and south would work because then the the Russians It'll would work. still be It'll able work. to enter through the top part. So we would have to somehow invert it. I think.
2: For,
3: for it to be a uh, we'll,
7: we'll talk about it later. Maybe, okay. maybe that's, that's a good idea, though. We'll keep that down. Put that in our checklist Ooh. of things that we need to talk about. We need to make the north south wall of Berlin, but we need to change it to like something like a perpendicular to it. Anyway, uh, I like that. We should go to Berlin. We, go, we should go to Berlin. I would be, I, yeah, I think that'd be Berlin fun. tour, yeah. Everybody in Germany speaks English. So, fuck
6: it. You know, sure. someday I would love to visit uh, Europe. I had—I was really close for the uh, second Disney on Ice tour that I went, or did, but mm. uh, ended up getting transferred. So, the show that I was doing continued on to Europe, and I was moved to a tour that was doing the same circuit that we, that I just got off of. Oh. Psh. Yeah. Frozen and forgotten East Coast, baby. <laughs> <laughs>
7: Uh, I just saw Disney on Ice is coming through here at Oracle. Oh, wow. You know? Never stops. Well, those athletes, uh, man. Well, hopefully they get you on a nice European tour one of these days. That'd be cool. I mean, you'd be working most of the time, but at least you'd get a little off time. to. I want to go
6: wanna, I wanna visit as a city.
7: That yeah. Enjoy myself. Enjoy some good German beer. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Get on the train, muck about, that sort of thing. That's what it's all about. Um, all right. Well, my last real story of the night uh, has to do with I don't know. I don't know why. But I may ever since President's Day, I guess I've just been kind of on a president kick. And um, we brought up Biden and I brought up stuff, and I just thought to myself, well, you know, the president and the vice president; these are all figureheads. These are people that, sure, they have power. They have a nominal power, but they aren't really running things. And when you watch the Reagan doc, Reagan is is the most obvious example of a president who just followed a script. This guy was literally just an actor who was given a script and had people, you know, decide I mean he had a general sense of what he wanted to do, but he delegated everything. His cabinet was very important, his his constituents were important to him, his wife was important. You know, he wasn't this like solid pillar, you know, he was a, he was a guy who read other people's words for him, you know? Right. And, and he was very much a stooge of, of whatever interest had him in mind. And the president is that, I mean, to, to be that, to be a politician is to be a a stooge and to be a pawn of whatever constituents that you, you choose, you know, to have them be and and also your cabinet and the cabinet of the president really doesn't get enough love unless they happen to have a personality where they they get the attention that way um like all the people that were in bush juniors administration that were like these big hot shots that were getting their last hurrah you know in major government before retiring like um you know rumsfeld and Cheney and all these guys, but I got into it and I, and I started looking in the cabinet and I started looking at with all of this military action that's going on with Ukraine. I was curious as to who the secretary of defense was because Ooh. nobody ever talks about the secretary of defense. Right. All and right. The, yeah. Is, it's kind of, I don't know. They, there's all these members of the administration that they'll bring up, like uh, this Rachel Levine Levine character that the transgendered uh, person who um, was made an admiral even though she's never served in the military or he or whatever. but um, you, you hear about certain members of the administration, but it's always for like some woke reason and it's never because of something that they actually accomplished or or you never get insight as to what their game plan is. And we've had famous secretaries of defense in the past, Uh, like for example, Rumsfeld under Bush Jr. I think just about everybody who currently, you know, is above the age of, you know, 20, I would imagine knows who Donald Rumsfeld is or has heard of Donald Rumsfeld. And then there's other characters. If you're politically knowledgeable, you'll know the names Robert Gates, you'll know Chuck Hagel, you'll know, uh, Mattis under Trump, James Mattis. Did, uh, did Bolton ever do it or is he? Bolton was not The Secretary of Defense Bolton Was uh What was he He was the
6: Secretary of State right John Bolton
7: John Bolton Under Trump John Bolton He was a security advisor Oh I don't even count (laughs) And he served as a United States Assistant Attorney General Under Reagan Which is kind of interesting Oh he'd been a player oh yeah he, he was in around. the bush administration he was a un ambassador under the bush administration bush um jr and then uh yeah he was a, a high high national security advisor to trump
2: mm. uh,
7: but he was never secretary of defense the secretary of defense is is a very important position in american government it's um it's you're sort of the main political figurehead of, of the executive branch as far as the military is concerned. In the military, you have certain people. I mean, the president is the commander-in-chief, so no matter what the president says, it goes. But beyond that, as a career military person, um, there are only so many people that hold this overall overarching executive power over the military, one of them being the secretary of defense, the other being the joint chief of staffs, and the four-star generals and uh, all the top brass of the military that make up the, the chief of staffs the chiefs of staff. And, uh, and they all serve one another in different branches, of different stuff. The secretary of defense never gets a lot of coverage unless, Like I said, they're well-known. So, like Donald Rumsfeld under Bush jr. He was like a well-known personality. He, um, He had served, and of course, everybody who is a Secretary of Defense has at some point or another served in the military. And uh, a lot of these guys served in the Air Force. Uh, Rumsfeld served in the Air Force. He was a pilot instructor. There's actually a little thing I got on him. Uh, If you could play Rummy 1. I certainly can.
0: As Secretary of Defense, Donald Rumsfeld launched America's wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, a mission it seems he prepared for his entire life. A fierce competitor in wrestling at Princeton, a Navy pilot and instructor, Rumsfeld plunged into politics in 1962, elected to Congress four times from Illinois. Hi, Donald Rumsfeld. Rumsfeld was recruited by the Nixon White House, where he earned the reputation as an ambitious and skillful political infighter. Even President Richard Nixon called him ruthless. He later became President Ford's chief of staff, and in 1975, at 43, the youngest U.S. Secretary of Defense in history. Sixteen years later, Rumsfeld returned to the Pentagon under President George W. Bush, this time as the oldest Secretary of Defense. On 9-11, Rumsfeld was at his desk when al-Qaeda attacked the U.S. and flew a plane into the Pentagon. Rumsfeld quickly seized almost total control of America's war on terror, launching airstrikes in Afghanistan in less than 30 days, and in 18 months, the invasion of Iraq. God.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
7: what a boss. What a guy, huh? <laughs> what a guy. What fella. <laughs> uh, rather, uh, rather well-known. And then, you know... <laughs> they don't make them like that anymore, kid. <laughs> So this is it in the service, as we know, and as I will openly say, as I understand it, him and Cheney and a certain crew of people were were involved in nine eleven and involved in, in the events that happened since then, including the Iraq War, and um, that that was all orchestrated. <laughs> he knew all all that shit was going to happen. He, he's a scumbag. All those guys are scumbags. Um, But lavish,
6: they were ripping babies out of the incubators (laughs) and slamming them on the grounds like
7: footballs. (laughs) Even the normies know that.
6: Oh, shit, I'm sorry. Man, I'm all over the place remembering my facts. Holy shit.
7: Anyways. It's true. It's true, though. No, you're you're right, though. You're right. (laughs) Uh, But this is is an interesting structure, a, a rubric for a career. If you're in the military... What is the most ideal career that you could possibly have? What's the most success that you can have Uh, as a member of the services? I was going to
6: say contractor, but you're talking about while currently
7: serving? I'm talking about if you went to West Point and you went to officer school and you graduated, you're a cadet, you start off as a second lieutenant, you work your way up through the ranks of being an officer in the military. A good old fashioned way. What is the most ideal path for somebody like that, or at least what what are the examples that we've seen of people who have uh, succeeded the the best in this field? C- contractors, <laughs> private contractors. Well, the, yeah, that's true, right? <laughs> the the private uh, the private sector side, but that's a great point that you make. Is the real money is in the private sector? Yeah, right. Yeah, real money is is working for. For companies, not for the government.
6: And then when you're ready Um, to do like a Pokemon evolution stage one, you move from the private sector where you're currently at because you were in the military. So you already transitioned once and then you transition back into the machine and then you've got all this more clout because you've been working as this private citizen for this private company for so many years that happens to have a fairly healthy handshake. With say maybe the governing body that's supposed to be in charge of them.
7: Well, and it works the other way as well. Where when you work for the government, then that company also you get a lot of clout with that with the private. So if you, if you were, for example, the, the Secretary of Defense for whatever administration, when you retire, any anybody's going to hire you. Right. It doesn't matter who you are; you're going to be in the board of anything, and then and vice versa, right? So it's you make a good point and, and that's basically what I'm going for and if you look at Rumsfeld's um career specifically as a man who did that he he was in the Air Force uh he ultimately became a captain I believe before he quit the Air Force and went into the private sector and started working as an executive for uh GD Searle and Company, worldwide pharmaceutical company, um, for, starts working for pharmaceutical companies that ultimately gets sold to Monsanto. Wow. So in in his early years, he's a total pharma stooge. And then he goes on uh, after the uh, 80s, in the 90s, he's the uh, CEO of General Instrument, which is a leader in broadband uh, communication, cable and satellite and terrestrial broadcasting applications. So this guy is involved in pharma. He's involved uh, in television broadcasting.
6: <laughs> I'm, uh, and, I'm reading your notes here, and it's not just any uh, uh, satellite or cable transmission. It's also high-definition televisions, the first mm-hmm. all-digital HD TVs. What?
7: Yeah, that's what? right. <laughs> What? <laughs> what? Yeah <laughs> Wow it, it, And it says According to these notes that I found That he took that company public General Instrument Developed this technology Probably developed these products These patents And then And then he took the company public And uh, Probably made a killing <laughs> so,
6: so this guys is probably, You know this, That was probably his first time right <laughs>
7: Yeah, this is my first time. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Big Pharma. And then as you heard from the clip, he was the youngest and the oldest Secretary of Defense mm. ever. A lot of laureates. Interesting, interesting. So that's Donald Rumsfeld. And I bring up him because he's the most famous instance of people, at least people our age, will be familiar with this guy. And And it showcases kind of your typical path as a military person if you are going to make a career in the military, this is how you make the big big bucks is you you kind of tr- you, you switch over to other certain aspects other certain elements now the guy who's the, the Secretary of Defense now you've never heard of this guy he's never been brought up, and from everything that I've found he's a fiercely private person, which is the opposite of Donald Rumsfeld um, His name is Lloyd Austin. Uh, oh, actually, you know what? Uh, actually, I'll get to Rummy later. Uh, could you please play Lloyd Austin 1?
5: Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin earned his reputation during a 41 year career in the U.S. Army, but it wasn't until after his retirement that he earned the bulk of his $7 million fortune. Austin grew up in Thomasville, Georgia, the son of a postal worker and homemaker. His father was a World War II veteran and Austin planned to serve in the Army for a few years before attending law school. But after graduating from West Point in 1975, Austin committed fully to military service. He became a captain in 1979 and a lieutenant colonel in 1992. Eventually, he took over leading roles in Afghanistan and Iraq and became commander of all U.S. forces in 2010. Just three years later, Austin was tapped to lead the U.S. Central Command granting him oversight of operations in both Afghanistan and Iraq. By the time he left the military in 2016, the commander had earned a lucrative pension worth an estimated $1.8 million. Then, he began his transformation into something of a professional board member. God, I need to get into the government so I can start making the
7: money. That's where you make the money. Make the money. I hate this (laughs) clip because it's like so... This is from Forbes, by the way.
0: How crappy
7: is that microphone?
0: I think I would give my left nut for that music
7: bed that that they use for this. That music bed's so stupid. (laughs) Bully Steed uh, says in the chat that she uh, is unknowable. And because she said that, I have to have you play Rummy 2.
6: Rummy 2, coming down the pipeline.
7: Uh, This one's for Bully.
0: Is there any evidence to indicate that Iraq... Uh, has attempted to or is willing to supply terrorists with weapons of mass destruction. There are known
7: knowns. There are things we know we know. Uh, We also
3: know there are known unknowns. But there are also unknown unknowns. The ones we don't know we don't know. It is the latter category that tend to be the difficult ones.
8: (laughs) (laughs) What?
7: Uh, thank you, Mr. Secretary. That really <laughs> clears that up for me. Thank you very much, sir. <laughs>
6: <laughs> 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 oh, lordy!
7: That's that was uh, a classic. One of the most, yeah, that was one of the most famous. We
6: things should uh, we should chop that up. We should chop that up and add it to the repertoire.
7: All right. Yeah, definitely belongs in the archives. Mm, no doubt. Taste That's me. a lifetime of work. Summed up in one thing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh but anyway, we're on the modern guy. So we talk about Lloyd Austin. Lloyd Austin, who is the first African American Secretary of Defense in history. Uh why didn't Obama appoint one? I don't know. But um yeah, he's the first one ever. He is the Thirty third vice chief of staff of the army. That's right, and he was the. La- Here's a couple satanic things for you. Uh-oh. He was the last commanding general of the uh, Iraqi operation New Dawn. Satan, which ended in uh, December of 2011. Lloyd Austin, and uh, as it said, he was a. He's a professional board member uh, after he left. The military, he uh, he went and sat on a bunch of, uh, let's see, let we'll me get the uh, list out here real quick. Since when uh, we got it. But he's been around forever and ever, never, 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 never.
6: I'm trying to picture this dude. I don't, oh, uh, yeah. He kind of looks
7: like the police chief from uh, that stupid show that everybody watches, uh, the Brooklyn Nine-Nine show. Yeah. He kind of looks like the police chief from that show. Retiring as a CENTCOM commander, Austin joined the board of Raytheon Technologies. Oh, what do you know? Speaking of military subcontractors, uh, as of October 2020, his Raytheon stock holdings were worth roughly half a million dollars, and his compensation, including stock, totaled about $30 million. He was appointed to NuCorps board of directors. He was, boarded, he was appointed to the Tenant Healthcare Board of Directors, Tenant Healthcare, Multinational Healthcare Service. Newcore is a producer of Steel uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina. He operates a consulting firm, and he's been a partner at Pine Island Capital with Tony Blinken, who we've brought up before as a member of West Exec. Uh, we've talked about West Exec. As a matter of fact, we talked about that on the Sir Bemrose episode, which we mentioned uh. earlier.
6: Ooh, nice 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 uh reach around
7: <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> i've been told i'm quite skilled at that <laughs> so flexible
6: uh,
7: <laughs> it's all in the wrist um yeah tony blinken or a blinken uh if you if his literal fucking initials if you just if you initialed his, his first name a blinken is his name a blinken um yeah West exec, those pieces of shit. So this guy, obviously, he's he's a total company man. This guy rubs all the right elbows and shoulders, gives all the right reach-arounds, and uh, he's currently the only Secretary of Defense so far that's been appointed uh, under Joe Biden's administration. Of course, he's only been president for a little over a year, but, yeah. Uh, I thought I'd just want to put a highlight on him. Um... I was looking at just the history of all these other guys and I have the the list in the show notes of um all of the all of the individuals who have served as Secretary of Defense in the history of the United States. And there's only a few of them that you'll ever really recognize the names of Donald Rumsfeld, Robert Gates, Chuck Hagel, James Mattis. And that's only if you're really um, really paying attention. But one thing that I did Notice that I thought was interesting. Robert Gates, if you're familiar with the name Robert Gates, he was the last Secretary of Defense under Bush Jr. And he was brought in to replace Donald Rumsfeld. Uh, The idea is that Bush thought that Donald Rumsfeld wasn't doing quite a good enough job uh, in Iraq. And so he brought in Gates. And all these guys have served... To a certain uh, level, but Gates himself served. Oh, and then I had to, I had to also uh, uh, R- Ronald Reagan's Secretary of Defense, who was literally who served in uh, World War II in the forty fourth Infantry. Uh, but uh, Robert Gates also in the Air Force, and he was a badass motherfucker. But I, I noticed that Obama kept him when when Obama took office in two thousand eight. He kept Robert Gates on for another two years, which is very rare mm. when, when the incoming president keeps over cabinet members. So that was very kind of interesting, I thought. And it was a, another sort of whispering of the, the relationship, the fantastic relationship that Obama and the Bush family have, uh, old family friends from oil money.
6: That's the Bush dynasty, man.
7: Yeah. Yeah. Colorful and the dynasty. Yeah. Yep. Very 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 good stuff. Uh, oh, and of course uh, Robert Gates, uh was a uh, director of the CIA. You'll find uh, that there are a lot of directors of the CIA.
6: And sometimes the presidents. Uh
7: yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So you know Gates and and uh Bush, they definitely knew each other. Gates and Bush were we biggest as thieves, and he would explain why Obama kept him on. They're all a bunch of CIA boys. Mm, no doubt. And this Lloyd Austin character, he definitely seems like, uh, I don't know. There's a certain flavor with these Biden admin guys, like with this, uh, with this Rachel Levine character. They don't seem to be particularly good at their job. They just seem to be typical bureaucrats. You know what I mean? Right. They're just fucking total paper pushing, suck up fucking parasites.
6: Yeah, it's just, that's how you make the money. You that's
7: how you make the money. Just grunt it
6: out or uh, sweat it out as a grunt, work your way up through the ranks, <laughs> find a, a a fit company that you can suckle off the teat of, mm-hmm. ride that way for as long as you can, and then get baggins of the government. And start doing all sorts of uh, under-the-table party favors, as they say.
5: Yeah.
6: uh, Yeah. It's a sweet, sweet, vicious cycle.
2: Yeah.
7: Beautiful. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I have this whole thing on Casper Willard Weinberger, who was Secretary of Defense under Reagan, but we won't get into that, I think I've... I've discussed none of this, but if you want to know about him, all of that is in the show notes as well. He, he had an interesting life. Um, military people, very interesting. It, we, there used to be a time, and I've talked about, it, you know, during the Civil War, during World War II, where military leaders were very respected to the point where they were being voted in as president. right? And um, it's, a tradition that obviously goes back to the very beginning with the election of General George Washington as our first president. But uh it's something that you don't really see very much anymore. You don't really see a lot of military men making it to the presidency. Nowadays, the people who make it to the presidency are lawyers.
6: Wouldn't Eisenhower be the last one?
7: Probably, yeah. Hmm. Eisenhower, probably, yeah. I mean... Bush, he senior, served. Was he served? He wasn't. I don't even think he was an officer. I think he, he was, was like a,
6: He's a CIA guy.
7: I think he was a pilot. I th- uh, if I'm not mistaken. He, yeah, he was in the air force and he was a pilot. Yeah, so uh, he he might have been an officer in the air force. Um, any he, any he flew combat missions. I mean, in World War II, everybody, you know, fucking Jimmy Stewart flew a shitload of. <laughs> Um, crazy suicide missions, you know, when he served and that actually comes up in the Reagan documentary, Reagan, who wanted to be this all American guy actually couldn't, he couldn't serve in, in world war II because of his eyesight. Apparently he was blind as a bat and he wanted to play football and he couldn't do that either. And he was very insecure about the fact that he had to stay behind in America and all these other great Hollywood stars like Jimmy Stewart went off and were legitimate war heroes.
6: Oh, who's the jazz musician or the big band swing musician composer in the mood? Uh Ba da ba da 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 da
7: in the mood, uh I mean is it like ragtime shit? Is it like uh What's his name? The ragtime guy? Um Glenn Miller. Glenn Miller. Oh, that's not what I'm thinking of.
6: He's also a military guy.
7: Yeah, there's a that whole generation of guys, if they were in good health, they were drafted. And um some of them saw action, some of them didn't, but
6: And he actually uh, he disappeared during a meeting or during a, a mission, I should say. Oh, yeah? Went yeah. off the grid a bit? Yeah, he, uh, I think he was... I think, uh, yeah, Air Force, he was shut down. And, uh, uh they never recovered it. But he showed up one
7: day? Alive?
6: No, 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 no. Gone? Yep, 1944, World War Two.
7: Yeah, yeah, so this is, this is, yeah, just guys dying left and right. And Jimmy Stewart should have died. I mean, he was very private about his experiences, but that guy flew some very dangerous missions and he's very lucky to have come out of that. But that's just gone. I mean, you don't really see a lot of, you you don't see officers uh, of the military that have that respect. The last guy, and I've said this in the show before, but the last general four star general to have any good clout with the general American public was Petraeus general Petraeus uh, serving in the Iraq war. But since the Iraq war, our love of the military, or our respect for the military, I should say, has declined dramatically. And all of our military interactions, I would say, are wholly unsupported by the American public.
6: Yeah. It's also a continuing tread, too, though. A trend. Not tread. (laughs) Maybe it is a tread.
7: It's Uh, both, but, yeah. yeah, Vietnam. Well, yeah, and since Vietnam... I mean, World War II was the last... That's why Eisenhower is the last general president, because that was the last war that we actually supported and wanted to be a part of. Every war since has been some weird proxy war that we don't understand. It's never been a direct threat to our national security. It's only just part of whatever... Just a direct threat to
6: everyone else.
7: (laughs) Yeah. And it makes sense, and people go there and die, and you know they film it now. You you wonder if they had as much, you know, filming capability during World War II and especially during World War One, if people would have been as supportive of that war. They saw that kind of carnage, which is what happened with the Vietnam War, and to a certain degree the Korean War.
10: Yeah,
7: but none of these military interactions are supported, and none of these generals are respected, and all of these people. Who are in the military, they don't even get fucking mentioned. And then you've got this Rachel Levine who becomes an admiral, and she never even fucking served. So you have people that are holding these high ranking military positions that never actually served in the military. So it's it's becoming very strange version of itself. And nobody knows what's going on or what to what to appreciate or to respect.
2: Yeah.
6: What was the? uh, I saw that you had posted a link to a USPHS COVID nineteen pandemic medal
7: ribbon bar. That's right. If you go to Rachel Levine's uh, Wikipedia page, you will find a full arrangement of all of her um, awards, her medals as a as a uniformed officer. She has one, two, three, four uh badges and two insignias, and one of them is one of her four badges is the covid nineteen pandemic metal ribbon. I should say four ribbons and two and two badges,
6: so the ribbons is she yeah. aware that's the colors of Russia
7: uh it looks like the colors of Jamaica to me. it's green and yellow and blue green and yellow and red orange whatever
6: i see yeah. red white and blue
7: red white and blue for the covid 19 yeah. yeah the
6: pandemic metal uh, ribbon, ribbon bar
7: Oh, i'm looking at uh, the the covid 19 pandemic ribbon rib, metal ribbon bar it's, to me is green and yellow and then they've got the italian flag in there the blue white red mm. And then you've got a Public Health Service Regular Corps ribbon, which is, I'm sure, a ribbon for civvies, a Commissioned Corps training ribbon, and a Presidential Unit Citation, whatever the fuck that means. And then the two badges, Assistant Secretary of Health, which is her actual fucking thing, and then the office. So she's got these awards and decorations that mean nothing and are reflective purely of of nominal titles that were gifted her by the executive branch mm. not through any actual service in the, in any of the eight uniformed services of our great nation. So I thought that that was interesting. So I posted a picture of that, her COVID-19 ribbon. Congratulations. You've done so much.
6: You know what it sounds like every time she leaves the room,
7: you have to say what, <laughs> what, Might as well just have you're fucking welcome written on the back of her shirt. <laughs> <laughs> they love this stuff.
11: They're jizzing.
7: <laughs> you're fucking welcome. You're fucking welcome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I do fucking
11: like
6: weird, the, I, man. I, I do like the commission core training ribbon. That's a, that's a pleasant color scheme.
7: Oh, Mm-hmm. nice color scheme. Yeah. Red, black, yellow, and blue. I like that. Well, you can always take cool color schemes from the ribbons. See, you look at this Lloyd Austin guy and you look at all of his ribbons. This guy's got a fucking shitload of them. Distinguished Service Medal, Army Distinguished Service Medal, Silver Star, Legion of Merit. These are real, actual medals that you get serving in the military, you know? COVID-19 pandemic ribbon. (laughs) Congratulations. And then, uh, you got
6: a, uh, 50 cent pin back button that says I was there.
7: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. You know,
7: I don't know. It's so fucking bizarre. I'm just trying to keep up with all this craziness. No doubt.
2: No
6: doubt. Well, uh, how about, uh, well, okay. I can offer you a proposition. Because I actually have two more things that I brought to the table for tonight. And uh, we're looking a little low on time. So I'm going to put it up to your discretion of which direction you want to progress in. Well, what I can offer is I have a story about the foxy lady. The famed Tamamo Nom- uh, Nomai. Which is the fox spirit of the recent stone that was cracked in half in Japan, or the 100 year anniversary of Nosferatu with a uh with a special guest?
7: Uh, I mean, I want to hear the Nosferatu, but the other one sounds interesting too. Whichever one you want,
6: I'll just be- well, the, I, I actually did find the full legend of uh of the. I want to try and pronounce it the. Shoshoki, uh, Shoseki stone in, um, Nara, Japan. Mm. And, uh, I found the full legend. It's, it's listed in the, uh, It's also got woodcut, uh, illustrations of the legend, uh, which are just absolutely gorgeous. I mean, you gotta love this sort of stuff. Um, so dudes. if you ever, if you ever want to do like a, Cold read of some, uh, you know, of it or something that would be cool, but uh, we'll save that for next time. Go and check the pictures out, read it for yourself, enjoy it. Uh, we were double scooped by Ball after bull and rare encounter, but uh, this this story is quite phenomenal.
7: Noise, noise, noise. Well,
6: let's rip into it. A hundred years. I'm going to do the hundred years of
7: Nosferatu. Nice. Uh, yeah, I'm actually genuinely interesting.
6: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You should get excited for this one. I've got a series of clips talking about uh, well, let's back up here. Uh, It was released in March of 1922. This film is 100 years old. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was released in Germany by one F.W. Murnau And written by Henrik Galeen. Um, I was wanting to watch this movie. I didn't have time over the weekend. But uh, here very, very, very soon I will be watching it. Because there's several versions that look highly intriguing. Uh, One of those is actually... The remaster. I found one that someone synced up a bunch of typo negative songs to.
7: (laughs) You can do a lot with a movie in 100 years. (laughs) mm -hmm. So that one's posted
6: down below. But uh, this first clip talks about a, a little bit of what was going on at the time in Germany in the 1920s. You know, we're coming right off of the tail end of uh, World War I. Um, the Spanish flu is raging across the globe, fucking up all sorts of people left and right. And uh, yeah, here's my first clip.
12: What was it about this particular story set amongst the English middle classes that features a monster usually depicted as a suave, seductive lounge lizard rather than the demonic walking corpse we have with Count Orlock? Nosferatu.
6: I fucked up. This is my first clip.
12: Nosferatu was designed to speak to a 1922 German audience in as much as the novel of Dracula was designed to speak to the British Victorian reader. The film is set in 1838, six decades before the novel. The fictional plague, which is only in Nosferatu, not in the book, would also have been of specific significance to a 1922 audience, as only four years previously the influenza pandemic had circulated the planet, creating one of the most deadly epidemics in human history. Between the deaths from influenza and the two million German dead from World War I, the stream of coffins that progressed through Weiberg would have spoken volumes to the average German. There's also an argument that gained credence post-World War II that insinuates Nosferatu as a cautionary xenophobic tale warning the good German of the outsider. This isn't really surprising considering that nationalism was on the rise. Only a year previously, the Kapp Putsch briefly succeeded in running the Weimar government out of Berlin. And in the next year, Hitler would gain notoriety from the Munich Beer Hall Putsch. Three months after Nosferatu premiered, Walter Rathenau, the Weimar government's foreign secretary, was assassinated by a right-wing group. Count Orlok is arguably an embodiment of the other, the unknown. The broken German populace didn't trust foreigners, especially if they were from the east, where Bolshevism had arisen.
6: All right, so we got this film, it's coming out. Uh, I think production actually began in 1921, but obviously this is happening at a very tumultuous time, and mm-hmm. I was uh, I was trying to find the specific number of, I guess, German citizens that died during World War One. Um... But the first number that I saw was the civilian toll was six to 13, 13 million. and uh six
7: to thirteen million and that was
6: just civilian deaths uh oh here we go uh during the german let's see um it was uh seven million casualties for the German people brutal right after world war one and then you know boom here comes the spanish uh spanish flu which of course america everybody was doing it was the
7: great war it was the mm-hmm. war to end all wars uh, i sometimes wonder if the spanish flu was a result of all of the chemical warfare that was going on in world war I.
6: Oh, all that mustard gas
7: yeah yeah just putting a lot of shit in the air wouldn't be surprised if they fucked something up and then there are whole chunks of, like, France and Germany that to this day are uninhabitable. Right. Because they're so riddled with artillery from World War I and mines and gas and bullshit. Yeah, the, uh, just the trench warfare alone is, a. Uh,
6: which I want to say during the Civil War that was introduced, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe mm-hmm. not to the degree, but, I mean, this was, you know, total no man's land. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Just really hardcore, hardcore scene to be present in. So, uh, I thought that paired well with the, uh, well, I'm sorry, uh, Jimmy Stewart. And then that was world war II. Mm. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Stewart was world war II. Yeah. yeah. So it would have been their daddies that probably went through world war <clears> one.
7: <throat> yes. Yeah.
6: So just bam, bam, you know, one right after the other.
7: <clears throat> Did you ever see the, uh, the movie with, uh, the guy who played Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield, his world war two movie, I think it was bone saw Ridge Mm-mm. was what it was called. That was a kind of an interesting, like modern World War II movie that they'd made, and Victor Hugo, who um, who played uh, Agent Smith in The Matrix, and uh, and Elrond uh, in Lord of the Rings, he played his dad, and he was uh, he he played a World War One veteran, who's his dad, and then his son was a World War Two soldier, he was a young guy. So there's that. They, they—that's a the movie that actually showcases that relationship, which you never see.
3: The fact that World War One and World War Two were back-to-back generational wars.
6: All still there? Right. Yeah, I'm still here. I was—I uh, had to correct myself. It was uh, two million German sol- soldiers during World War One.
7: Yeah, I just two, wanted- yeah, one two million. That sounds about right. Yeah, just want to correct myself. Um. You did clarify though that civilian deaths were included in that.
6: Yeah. Oh uh, that, that, yes, that is true. Um Yeah, and just the uh just how quickly modern machinery adapted to the moment and then you've got like the 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 real like belly of the beast, uh machines of war. Uh just uh any well I we we could we could talk about um the war at nauseam, but uh, here's my second clip about Nosferatu. Uh, just more about the imagery. This film, it relies heavily on German romanticism, if you're not familiar with it. Uh, the director, Marna, was schooled in art history and romantic literature, and the creepy in- imagery uh, came from the locations that they shot, not the actual camera angles. Uh, at one point, uh, the speaker that we're listening to currently she goes on to like a uh, quote i'm talking about uh things like dutch angles where you've got the angle kind of uh, off kilter and and inverted in some way
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
6: and uh <clears throat> he said that uh quote interesting angles detracted from the action and, and uh i kind of interpreted it interpreted that as like a like a cheap spice with no body on on some meal as far mm. as the, the tilted angles. Uh, from his perspective, at least. Uh, I, I like all sorts of weird shit. Uh, but they they actually base a lot of the shots off in the movie from historical paintings. Uh, there's a whole list of them, but uh, one that caught my ear was Rembrandt. Rembrandt. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the movie Das uh, Unheimlich, uh, the uncanny, that's the element that was pulled from uh, the producer... He was once told a story by a Siberian farmer during World War One, where he was an officer, I want to say, about uh, he was told a story that his father was taken in by a vampire or the uh, uncanny. And that's where the seed was planted for this story. Um, Mm. So this uh, this next clip kind of kind of continues on that.
12: This foreboding struck a nerve with a post-World War I German audience still uncertain as to what their futures held. By combining the gothic novel, romanticism, and expressionist effects, Murnau and other filmmakers had recognized and managed to express the existential dreads that the populace faced.
6: Existential dread? I mean, that's a, that's a really powerful ingredient, but, you know, you're really going to need that extra kick. What, what's, what's, oh, I know, it. you know what's uh, popular at the time? Uh, you've got romanticism, you've got expressionism, but, uh, and you've got the, the after, after, uh, afterglow of World War One and the, mm-hmm. the current situation of the Spanish flu. Um, but the, the real spicy shit comes in at the end of this clip.
12: What was it about this particular story set amongst the English middle classes that features a monster usually depicted as a suave, seductive lounge lizard rather than the demonic walking corpse we have with or Orlok? Nosferatu was unique as it was a product not just of business, art or even the broken Weimar society but of the German subculture of occultism. Hmm,
6: that's right baby. A bunch of German occultists were involved in the making of this production.
7: Yeah, what else is new? What do you think Disney is? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. my goodness. Yep. I know, I know. That's true. Yeah, it's all, it all fits into that, that rubric that just repeats itself again and again. And when you see it, even if you don't know you know it, you do. You know. Yeah. <laughs> there are some known knowns. <laughs> and then there are known unknowns, but it's the unknown unknowns that you gotta watch out for. Oh lordy! You know what's funny about the fantasy element is you have the invention of monsters with the romanticism. You, you romanticism being like you, know, you say Frankenstein could be included in that. Mm-hmm. And you have the invention of horror, oh, you have very romantic science fiction. Yeah, Frankenstein. Yeah. It is, it's, 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 it's meant to depict a sublime version of life.
6: Of you know, parenthood.
7: Of parenthood. Yeah. Yeah. Of of godliness. Yeah. Of all kinds of things. And, uh. Ultimate expression of the ego. And fantasy, ultimate, you know, the fairy tales of old were kind of a version of that. And it's always just like, life is hard, life is harsh. And you, you develop these stories to kind of help out and and process something that's very difficult and very real in a very fantastical, but also correlative way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think as time goes on, we get softer and softer and we get more and more removed from these horrors. You know, back in medieval times, when you went to war, you'd have to kill a man with your fucking hands and, and a sword and, or you'd get killed. And then later on in the civil war, you had, you know, flintlock muskets and, shit. And then now we have fucking drones that will come and blow us up in the night. We don't even know fucking see it. It's just things get more and more intense and, and you have to get more and more removed from it.
6: Well, um, I think, I think the civil war was a, was a, especially a bit more brutal? Cause that was right around when uh semi-automatic rifles really hit the battlefields
7: um, at the end of it. Yeah. They were, they were starting to get pretty advanced. Yeah, because
6: it started out, uh, uh not flintlock, but the
7: uh, cap. Uh, yes, not a cap the, lock, but um, mercury caps or whatever.
6: No. Yeah, it was like the primer was a little cap that you would drop in on your uh your striker.
2: Mm-hmm,
7: mm-hmm. I'm blanking on the name, unfortunately. Um, it was a more advanced version.
2: Of, yeah,
7: it's essentially the flintlock, but yeah, it's you, you have the advancement of of. Yeah, I mean, just the way that people die. But the question is, does it is it getting more brutal? In a way, yeah. In a way, no. Because you can kill someone from far away or whatever. But the harshness of life in general has gotten easier for people. You don't have to spend your whole time killing your animals and farming the land and doing things that people had to do for thousands of years to survive. Now we can just go to the store. And making just,
6: sure coyotes don't take out your stock of food for the next
7: yeah, four or months rats. or whatever.
6: Yeah, Or rats, yeah.
7: Or, you know, you don't have to have eight kids because you're going to lose half of them in childbirth. And, Woo. you know, it's like, there's, I don't know. And, and the stories reflect that. And people's need to escape from the harshness of life reflects that with the storytelling. And at the end of World War One. You got the Nosferatu. You got the character, which is morbid and disgusting and and terrifying. And then, as life continues into the more romantic, you know, you go into the the what, what is it? The, uh, was it the was the Edwardian? Is that the period for Bram yeah, Stoker's it was, Dracula? It it was or Victorian.
6: I believe it was, uh Victorian. But uh, the right. story, the story yeah. was based off of Bram Stoker's book, Dracula, but they never got the rights. So you got different character names, but it's, uh, there's a lot of similar attributes between the the characters from Nosferatu and versus the book. Sure. They also, but added, it's totally different though. They, they, uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first production that introduced the concept of sunlight being able to. To kill a vampire uh, Which is not something that was featured in the novel Dracula
7: um, Sure Because he was never out during the daytime Very true uh, you They know, never, never even went into it oh, just, I just they, had
6: a I just sorry. had a super cool idea Dracula The radio broadcast dun, dun, dun. Of course Hmm Note to self Uh and, um, you know, I've only ever seen the black and white version of this, but, uh, uh of, of course I, I came across the colorized version, uh, which was a French copy. Um, Stoker's wife was fairly successful at, of uh, uh, suing the ever living shit out of them, out of the production company, which we'll learn about here very soon. Um, but yeah, I mean, she really hammered down on them and, uh. There was, I, I think every copy was also ordered to be destroyed and like, um, this, uh, it turns out it's a French version, but the, the French colorized version is one of the few mm. that, that, um, ended up surviving. But again, you got the black and white. I think there's a, a few other cuts. Um, and I don't think about any of that. I, I know it. I don't know why I'm saying I, I think I do know. That's why I'm sharing this with you. <laughs> sure. I guess it's hard for a shit to last a hundred years. Fill yeah. Up. So, uh, how old were
7: you the first time you saw it? Have you seen it? Nosferatu, uh, the original black and white one I saw probably when I was uh, a kid. Mm. I, I watched a lot of, uh, Tur- uh, Cla- Turner classic movies. Oh yeah. DCM, and it's definitely on that. You'll catch that, especially during Halloween. They'll be playing that. And, uh, that was fantastic. I but I under I understood by the time I'd watched it, I'd watched other movies and I understood like kind of what it was in reference to the history of film. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw it, I wasn't like, "Whoa, what the hell is this?" I'd like heard about it. No doubt, Th- this is my recollection anyway.
6: If uh, if you want some uh, additional bonus clip, we're not going to get to these clips tonight. But I got a conversation between Joe Rogan and Rick Baker, who's a famous makeup artist kind of nerding out over Nosferatu. Ooh. Um, yeah, it's
7: it's a pretty good time. It's short. It's like Was seven it minutes. a very it probably was an extremely influential makeup uh film.
6: Well this is uh what Baker ends up discussing is like how it's the little details that you can really say the most with. Mm-hmm. And uh just between um Max Shrek's makeup, who is the actor that played Count Orlok in Nosferatu or Lon Chaney, a Phantom of the Opera. Um, mm. I want to say I saw Nosferatu probably fourteen or fifteen. That's around the time that I got the, uh, like the big ten DVD set from Walmart that had all these horror movies that were open domain on them. Or, uh, mm. you uh, get the
7: full set of all kinds of stuff.
6: Yeah, Night of the Living Dead, uh, Carnival of Souls, so White Zombie,
7: Nosferatu. All oh, the old classic yeah. shit. That's in the public domain, yeah. like I said.
6: But I never, I never, I never really made any connection. Of course, at the time, with all of the occultic imagery, so I can mm-hmm. only think that this is going to be, uh, or I can only know that this is going to be thrilling. Um, I, I got some pictures that I can dig out from the movie where they actually show a close up of these uh notes that Orlok has at his desk, and there's all these hermetic symbols and alchemy signs on there. Yeah, very exciting stuff.
7: Yeah, I knew all that stuff, all those in you know, this was made in Germany, right? Mm-hmm. This is a German film 1921 you said? Yeah, it was
2: production 1921 Those Europeans, they
6: know Those Euros I'll actually uh, send that link to y'all right now as I get my next clip loaded up here because uh, we should talk a, a little bit about what Influence the director and what's going to be even more important here in a second is the producer. The producer being the guy that really, um, drove the visual elements of the movie. And, uh, you know, he's like the storyboard artist and, and, uh, it just looking back at these stills, it just there, it looks like a painting. It's, it's very cool. Um, but here's a, Here's a little bit behind the creators.
12: In 2015, at Standorf, F.W. Murnau's grave was disturbed and his skull removed. That's the no arrests were ever made, but wax residue was discovered, leading the police to believe that some ceremonial activity had occurred. This was the latest in the long line of occult history linked to this film. It has never been proven that Marneau himself was a member of any mystic societies, but apparently he was fascinated with the Peter Natural. As a child, he had been enthralled by the tales told by his older brother of how two distant female relatives had been burnt at the stake for witchcraft in 1650. While serving in the Lufawha in 1917, Marneau was remembered for entertaining his fellow troops by sitting in front of the fire telling old German ghost stories. At this point, Murnau had already trained to be an actor under Max Reinhardt, befriending Conrad Veidt and working alongside an older, strange-looking actor called Max Schreck. But the war would change the direction of Murnau's career. By 1921, Murnau had already made eight films when Alban Grau recruited him for Nosferatu. Alban Grau is credited as set and costume designer, but in reality was the producer and the individual that most wanted to bring Bram Stoker's novel to the screen. In January 1921, Grau founded Pran films a company that they formed purely to produce films that dealt with the supernatural with its logo that evoked the yin yang symbol the words prana derived from a pre-war spiritual magazine and the sanskrit words meaning life force as it turned out nosferatu was the only production for the company this was due to a combination of mrs stoker's machinations the awful german economy and bad business practices
6: Rana Films, everybody. Their only film. Yeah, that's uh, but, too bad. But I think this. Uh, sorry, this group uh, was intended to produce three films. I uh, with the uh, with the writer and the the director. Mm. Um, so that would have been pretty cool. Didn't happen. Um,
7: I did. Well, yeah, Germany went in a different direction with film, didn't it? Yeah. After that.
6: Yeah, they ended up. Uh, the the Nazis ended up running uh alvin uh Alvin Grau, the producer. Alvin yeah, yeah they they ran him out of the country uh, really mhm why was he Catholic no Jewish he was Jewish really yeah. uh, uh,
2: so that's sad
6: the uh I did want to say about another silent film. I did have the chance to go see Phantom of the Opera at the Carolina theater downtown Greensboro. Uh, which was a uh, 1800s theater that was turned into a movie theater, and they had an organ in the space, and so it was the original um, Phantom of the Opera with an organ
7: accompaniment. Ooh, cool.
6: Yeah, I still got the ticket stub to that, too.
7: Wait. Yeah. real organ is a real treat if you can hear somebody rip that thing up. Yeah. Especially for that show of course. Yeah.
3: yeah
7: uh, it's a fun show. It's just an enjoyable show if you ever catch that one. These um
6: these filmmakers are not like they're nothing to joke with when it comes to the uh supernatural and occultic realm. I mean Grau was uh the head of the Attorney Satrianus, mm-hmm. the uh, Order of Saturn at one point? Oh, uh, he was his attorney in, eh? Yeah. Oh dude. Alvin he, was? Yeah, he's got friends. Do you want to hear about his friends?
7: Yeah, sure.
12: A few years older than Mernau, Grau was a high-ranking member of a couple of German occultist groups. After World War I, the interest in mysticism had risen dramatically. The sudden, instant deaths of millions of young men was unfathomable to the mourning masses. So as well as praying and turning to religion, many people wanted to believe there was a way to communicate directly to their loved ones. Even in the trenches with men surrounded by their dead comrades, stories of ghosts and apparitions were common. According to an interview, Grau, while stationed in Serbia, was told of the undead, or the Nosferatu, by an old peasant man. After the war, Grau was an associate of Heinrich Schenker, a German book collector, antiquarian, and influential occultist. But by 1920, he had formed his own religion, Panosophonism, which combined Rosicrucianism, Freemasonry, and Theosophy. During the pre-production of Nosferatu, Grau was appointed Master of the Chair of the Grand Panosophical Lodge of the Orient. Not long afterwards, Trenker was asked to join forces with Ordo Templi Orientis, the largest occult group in the world, and this led the German group to engaging with Alistair Crowley. In fact, while Nosferatu was being edited, Crowley visited with the German Lodge, and Grow was apparently engaged to shoot a documentary to mark the occasion. However, Crowley, being Crowley, tried to overthrow Trenker, and as a result, the old Grandmaster attempted to have the Englishman deported.
6: Yeah, Crowley Crowley's floating around these bros. Always. How crazy. Uh, so Crowley's got, he's got Led now. Zeppelin. He's got Black Sabbath. This motherfucker probably had a touch to do with Nosferatu. I mean, come on,
7: it's undeniable this guy's influence. There's no, there's no denying it. No he's, doubt, uh, he's the Chuck Berry of occultism.
2: Mm.
6: Oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah. Well, the uh, it's not just um, it's not just the producer. It's not just the director. There's one other piece to this pie of occultics. Occultists?
12: Ultimately, Grau and many of the other members of the group felt their leader had committed a serious breach of occult etiquette, despite their own reservations towards Crowley, and the lodge was disbanded. Much of the group then reunited to form the Brotherhood of Saturn, and Grau was initially offered the role of Master, but he declined. The drama surrounding his mystic social circle didn't affect Grau too much as he devoted himself to Nosferatu. Evidence of Grau's mysticism is seen throughout the film. The documents that Nock gives to Orlok via Hutter is covered in arcane symbols and occult signs. As well as designing sets and props, Grau designed the concept art, many of which acted as storyboards and were used in the film. He designed the publicity, the look of Orlok, and other visual motifs. He had initiated the story and engaged the services of both the director or and screenwriter the latter which was also an occultist henrik gillen gillen script alone is considered a piece of art and it reads like an expressionist poem rather than a script full of incomplete sentences and staccato rhythm
6: damn the script is the one thing that i forgot to pull i am diving for it right now as we speak
7: I it, this. Uh, it seems like this guy was a pretty gifted dude. He he did all this art and had this whole concept going, and and really headed the whole project, and and had the team and had other people that were also versed in the stuff to to bring along and make it happen. So that's cool.
6: Yeah, you know, right time, right place, right
7: people. Most important
6: part, right people. That's right. That's what Putin said. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean, you not to that find we're, the right people. Not we're the, not we're those type of people. You know, we take no sides. But reaching around, that is a that is a
7: uh, a lovely point to circle back on. Well, I mean, speaking of circling back,
6: you like pie? Oh, nom 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 nom. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not in a position to go get the rest of my pies mm-hmm. So the only thing that I can do is oh, it's so good. More voicemails. Oh, yeah, hit me.
10: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I sent y'all a couple of clips via the, uh, the, uh, what the hell? The MSM, uh, um, SMS. SMS, yeah. Simple messaging. The, the, server. Uh, the I the, the, uh, couple of video links. Uh, I don't know if you have time to review them, but, uh, there is a certain flex going on regarding the whole military uh, military intelligence or whatnot. Um, I sent you guys a guy that was an MP and then, uh, a civilian, LEO, uh, law enforcement officer, military police. So he's legit, and uh, he kind of give you a little rundown of the... Uh, Uh, military intelligence on the whole moon and the space race deal but I just wanted to say it's kind of interesting that uh, China has recently felt the need to say hey we can get to the dark side of the moon we're basically joining the space race fucking 50 years late but they're joining it nonetheless and all that other bullshit but uh yeah well great show and uh sorry I didn't uh, you know get it to you sooner and all this and that other bullshit and uh well I guess this won't get played till late so hopefully the other stuff has had a little bit of chance to review again my fault for the late tardiness of uh giving you a chance to uh, look it over or or anyway. do you feel tardy?
7: Nice, good arc. Good
6: I, arc uh, color. Yes. Uh, thank you, Special Agent Doctor Sir. My crotch. Thank you for Special, the report, Special Agent Doctor Sir. I will uh, review. Ah, yes. These were the links that were sent to us
7: earlier today. Yes. I will. We'll have to read. look at those links yes. and circle back. We'll circle back to you, sir. We're yes. gonna have to circle back to you, sir. I'd like to address Doctor Sir's uh, observation that that China is going to the dark side of the moon in an attempt to uh, big ball us on space race shit in the space race sector. To which I have to say. Fuck us. We fucking sat around and would thumb up our ass for 50 years. We pretended to go to the moon in 69. We pretended to do it a couple more times. Hell, we may have actually gotten there once or twice. Who knows? But if China (laughs) wants to also lie about going to the moon, I say, Godspeed. Go ahead. (laughs) Oh, Lord. It's a tradition.
6: Uh, uh, Where are you at? God damn you come back to me ah right, there we go moon landing
2: fake
7: man i was I was still cracking up over me uh posting that death shit that I posted the other day that I found somewhere else. God damn it, a fucking
6: you know if we use oh <sighs> you know we we have a Moon meet- landing we, we have a we have a meeting uh we'll have to discuss uh post-show. This is post-show conversation, so you're going to have to stick around. Um, but before we can hit the post-show, and we get two, uh, three more
7: voicemails to get through. How oh yeah, that? more voicemails. Let's get more, get, hit me with another voicemail.
3: I, oh, I said it wrong. Man, you know I can't sing and fucking play guitar at the same time. Yeah, you can't do it. Let's hear it. Behind the scoops,
7: behind
2: <laughs> oh, the scoops.
6: <laughs> I like that. I might. Uh, I might pull that. That's
7: pretty good. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> nice. That nice young man from Texas. Oh, such a, yeah. he's such. Yeah. Such a nice boy.
6: That's such a nice boy. Uh, looks like he followed up with another one.
11: Oh yeah.
3: I said, uh, fuck George Bush. You know what I'm saying?
11: Let me say that for you again. I said,
2: fuck George Bush! <laughs>
7: <laughs> oh, lovely. We are very fortunate to have a very gifted uh screamer. Very great screamer <laughs> calling in. <laughs> That's good. I like that. I like that a lot.
6: <laughs> Oh uh, uh, So a nice boy. It's such a nice I bet this last caller is such a nice caller. Let's see what the nice caller has to say.
10: Hey, it's 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 Pi Day. I thought you guys would play that uh, Friday song by that little Hispanic bitch this it's just Pi Day, Friday <laughs> Whatever the hell. Pi Day, Friday yeah, it's annoying as hell, but Uh, Hell, how often does it happen, you know? So I was thinking and hoping maybe we'd hear something of that. Mm. I don't know. Fuck it. China! China. Watch the moon. Nice and full. (laughs) Damn near full. Adios.
7: Watch the sky. I like those. We're going to be doing a
2: lot of circling back.
7: We're going to be circling so much back. Wow. Trust me, you gotta keep your eyes to the sky's collar. Keep your eyes on the prize.
6: God damn. And if you want to help the rest of those cookies crumble, you can call six one two two six three and leave us a screen mail, and that entails anything that you want to give us and say to us or scream to us. You're leaving the rest of the
7: phone number in Antissa seven patient. <laughs> Seven nine 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 six one two two six three seven nine nine nine. You oh. you ended it at two six three. Wow. What am I doing? Where am I? This is not my Who house. Who are you? <laughs> Where is your beautiful wife?
6: <laughs> this is not my beautiful car. <laughs>
7: <laughs> Where did that automobile come from?
6: Well, uh we do oh. the show uh we do this show every Monday night. Over at BadRadio.Live, that is 7.30, 9.30, 10.30 Eastern. Come hang Uh out with us. Chat in the green room. All sorts of
7: cool motherfuckers in there. Uh, That's right. You can find us at hashtag GreenRoom, which is on Net. You can go to our website, click the Kiwi link, get in there. Easy peasy lemon
6: squeezy. You don't even need a password, dude. You don't even need. Come on, dude. Come on, dude. CDC is like this whole government body without a password and
7: shit. They just We have a website. You don't even have to think about it, dude. You just click the link and you get into the chat. <laughs> yeah. You don't to think about it dude. You don't even think about it. Donate you-
6: uh or help produce this show, I should say, in the name of science. because uh, uh doing value for value is an art and a science. Yes. 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 Like creating glass art. Ooh, you know, I'd seen a glass guitar other day, uh, the other day on the interwebs. Ooh, that's yeah. kind of cool. All glass body, all glass neck, all glass headstock.
7: And and but regular strings? Could you play it? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I'll I'll dig it up. I'll dig it up and uh,
6: link it somewhere. It's that's what an I'm art. Talking about. It's
0: a science.
6: Hell yeah!
3: Hell that's yeah! Weird. Uh, 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 uh. I
6: can't wait to go. I think I'm going to do the original colorized version of Nosferatu first. I think that's how that's going to shake up. Racist. Whoa. I'm just trying to embrace the light, man. That's all it is. Just trying to be civil. I just want to be logical. Whatever I just wanted to news. give a shout
7: out to everybody in the chat. I want to give to Bully Steve, Ducky Duckbird RK. Thanks for hanging out, you guys. We got a bunch of great people in the chat. You should check it out. Yes. May the Luciferian light of reason guide you on your way. Thanks for joining <laughs> us on Pie Day. This is our special pie day. Yes,
6: thank you for coming and hanging out and having some pie with us. And uh until next time. Father, I'm going to take your daughter out tonight. I've been Booberry, black,
7: night of the Mothman. And uh, I have been maybe one day to be served, but until then, not
0: lavish. Behind the schemes, you're calling yourself. Oh
13: yeah. Find us at BehindTheSchemes.com with threes for ease.
4: Yeah,
0: the nasty game. Uh,
4: not a good show. They run a gasoline and they will fuck a dead raccoon.
15: But it seems as if he evil and he was right in the show behind the scenes.
0: Oh my goodness! Unleash the wrath of hell. You know those feet with the holes in them? No more foot fetish. I'm done.
15: This show is behind the shem shemas, the schemes. Behind the schemes with threes as ease.